Hello. You guys all had a lot to say before we hit record. I'm oh, just making sure mine's on. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the main event. <laughs> what the hell is that all about? What is this? Why do I, why do I have two, two of you, Jimmy? This is too much. One of you is fine, but two of you is too much. Oh, you might have pulled me out of the screen. You know, like if you can grab it and pull. You guys, you guys want to, know, you guys want to know something exciting, which I didn't know is a consequence of the way I'm recording this podcast. Every, this is going to be so interesting. Every week we have video. <laughs> did somebody ask Arlia today if we have video too of this? Did somebody ask that? I did. Yes. Actually, on uh, I've been getting a few requests for that on the uh, Fitzall Instagram. I actually have. I actually. You just made like a cry face. Wow, you're technically advanced. That's pretty cool. I don't know, it just popped up on my thing. <laughs> you accidentally hit the button. <laughs> you did that. You made that happen. Oh. No, what, the way I'm recording it in the Skype app, I'm recording multi-track, and multi-track will make all three tracks of us. And the reason we all record locally is in case the internet gets garbled, I'll be able to take your original local track and get rid of the garble. But as long as we don't have garbles, I could use the three tracks I'm recording. But it also records video of each one of those three tracks. So I have video of everything we've done so far, of us talking. Isn't that interesting? Do you have the, do you have the cliff notes of what you just said? <laughs> That's you, creepy. It is. It is. That's fine. So essentially what you're saying is people can watch what we are saying. I'm, 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 I'm storing it for, for a rainy day when we're ready to do the video version of what we're doing. I'll have all the, oh, the, the historical footage of, of every episode. <laughs> It'll be great because people can see that it looks like you have on a pair of gloves, but actually it's just <laughs> medical tape. Yeah. I have so much medical because tape on you, my ass. Like, like, literally, that could pass for a pair of gloves. No, I just he have so many band aids and crap on his fingers. What did you do? It's just the weather here is just horrible. My skin cracks. I mean, I look at my skin and it's like, it's like a cancerous wound because there's so many cracks mm. in one spot. I can't. I could just, I just have to cover it and wait for it to heal from the inside up. Meanwhile, you got band-aids on your fingers too. You look like Michael Jackson. What's going on with you? Yeah, dude, mine's from actual blows though, not from my hands cracking like sissy bear over there. <laughs> Dip your hands in aquifer. Would you take a bubble bath at the end of the day? You know, I did the other day. I took a bubble bath. It was really nice. And I, I did it so I could soak my hands because my hands hurt so much. Listen, I take a bubble bath every night with a half pint of Rocky Road ice cream, no dairy. Wow. By not a move. How do you stay if so you skinny? No dairy. Is not ice cream. Yeah, it's like <laughs> sherbet. It's like yeah. uh, tofu or something. Ice cream. You I, just, I don't do that. Greatly offended. Ice cream. <laughs> yeah, so my hands are fine. You don't get that cracking up there in the hundred and you know forty below zero up there. Well, I'm not outside without gloves, really. But you, your uh, hands are always like. If yeah. he went outside without gloves, his hands wouldn't crack. They would just freeze off. They like, crack they off. Gone. But, but you're you're always like dipping into that that rust off and all that other stuff and like you, you, like when I, you were with me your hands were just completely covered with oil all the time and I was like getting a little cringy. That doesn't yeah, mess with your hands. Uh, not yet. Like I I do wear gloves fairly often when dealing with you know the chemicals and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But that'll uh, dry it dries all of it dries your hands out completely. No, it's just it's the same thing. Little tiny cuts and blisters. There's a thousand little metal. <laughs> filing stuck in my hands right now yeah oh uh, from from wrenching but no it's been fine so uh, uh I keep it i keep it moist 
Yeah, that's what I need to do. I just need to my, do that uh, My friend that's an ER doctor, I had him look at my index finger, and he said that he was going to find me a pair of steel mesh gloves to wear from now yeah. on. There you go. I yeah. said, well, that's to your butcher, your local butcher. You have to pull the metal out of my hands from the gloves then because they'll get smashed. Yeah. Well, that's funny. When I cut my pinky on the table, so everyone's like, can't you wear like metal mesh gloves or why didn't you wear gloves? I go, all it would have done is made it more difficult for them to get my hand out of the glove with one of the pinkies partially detached. You know, they're like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, so the glove would have got cut too. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's not a good idea. Oh, interesting. Okay. Listen, I want to bring something up real quick about that whole pinky thing being cut off. It reminds me of something. You know, I was down at, (laughs) I was down at April's this week. Yeah. Wilker Hughes on Instagram. You gave her uh, a ton of wood. That was a great haul. That sounded so weird. Um, you gave her a truckload of wood. <laughs> Lumber. 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 <laughs> anyway, she has some of those uh, really cool saw stop table saws in there. Is that yeah. what they're called? Saw stop? Yeah, I got two. I'm not a woodworking guy. But, you know, I saw – this commercial, this guy pushing a hot dog through the thing and it like sure. stopped. Yep. What I want to see is actually someone from Stall Stop pull their wiener out and do it. Like if they're yeah, that hundred percent, like pull your wiener out and run it across the Stall Stop. Don't do a hot dog wiener. Pull your own wiener out, big boy. And <laughs> then, if it doesn't rip your wiener off, I'll buy one of the saws. He did stick yeah, his I finger in it. The owner of the sales company sales will go up. The, the owner of the company did stick his finger in it, and he did put a Sharpie line right on the tip of his finger. So does that does that work? No. You want to see his wiener. If they use a wiener, <laughs> a fake wiener, or see a real wiener put up there. Like, come on. Lay it out there, big boy. Okay. That's weird. Anyways. No, he did. He, he stuck his own finger in the saw, and they did it with, like, all high-tech cameras and stuff. So you could find that online. But then so did Chris Zeppieri make everything workshop on YouTube. He did it, too. But the video was demonetized because they said it's like dangerous promoting like people sticking their hands in saws. And I think SawStop got mad at him. He bought a he bought a SawStop at an auction. Interesting. And he wanted to see if it would work, so he stuck his finger in the blade. And he there's a video. It's still up, although they won't let him monetize it. And it's age I don't restricted. Do it with a used saw. <laughs> no, well that's. <laughs> I want to do it with a real one, like a brand new one. Well, it's a seven. He bought the seven horsepower at an auction. He got a really good deal on it. But I happen to have the same exact one I got from the company. The, the module is replaceable. So when the thing goes off, you just give it a little twist on the lock and you pull out the module and you switch it. Would you or would you not ever stick your finger in one of those saws just to try it out? I probably wouldn't because, you know, the one in a billion chance. He already, tr- the, he already <laughs> tried it. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't a saw with, stop, so that was the problem. With not a saw stop. So I've, I've, had, I've had several close calls on the, on the table saw with fingertip like nicks and stuff. Yeah. That would have set off. That would have set off the saw stop. The severe, you know, cut that I got to my hand that one night, that that would have set the saw stop off. But if you don't have a saw stop, you get nips, cuts, and cut off pinkies. Uh, the only time I've injured myself on a table saw has just been taking off a chunk of, you know, the tip of my finger. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was pulling my hand away from the blade, I just hit it quickly. Yeah. And uh, it sucked the finger down a bit and then took out, like, a nice V out of the point of the finger. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Uh, but other than that, I've been fine. Oh, oh. Andrew, how did you injure words. yourself recently when you had that big gouge on the side of your finger? Was that a grinder accident? No, that was the give on that big bowdry. I had, I was putting it back in to put the head back, or put the uh, ram back in, and you you lower it down on a bolt, well, I lowered it down and it kind of got 
canted a little bit and, and hung up and I got a pry bar and picked up on part of it. And the other part slammed down and just caught my index finger between it about 55 pounds. It just ripped, it ripped it all the way down to the white meat. You saw it was disgusting. Yeah. So you got basically pinched on the side of your finger. If that was like a direct hit totally. on your knuckle, it probably would have broken pretty good. Pretty good. Well, hundred, hundred percent. Yeah. Oof. You know what happened to me recently? Well, this happened last summer. I, I bought these two new printing presses and I didn't really understand how one worked. I mean, I knew it, but I didn't know where what was next to what, whatever. And I was holding my hand on one part of it while I was rotating the flywheel and my hand was rolling around with it. And I was holding the knuckle and the knuckle all of a sudden had no room between it and another oh. part. And like oh. my finger just slowly got crunched to the point where I screamed and I mm. had to like back off on the flywheel to let my finger out. So it was oh. going it was going fast enough that I didn't realize it was about to happen. And then all of a sudden it happened and I crushed right this knuckle right here, which still hurts in the cold. Thank God. I mean, I could have just like mushed my finger off if the thing had any moment, momentum. It stopped because my finger got caught in it. If there was more momentum, crazy. it would have just kept going and turned my finger into peanut butter. I'm, I'm excited to do work in space where gravity doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. no. uh, and then I don't have to worry about a lot of things. <laughs> or you could just, you could do it underwater. Yeah. You know, like I was thinking maybe a restoration in space. I could just take the bolt out and literally leave it there. Oh, that would be And then just awesome. come back to it. Let it float? Like yeah. brush all the debris off of an antique bolt in space and let it just float around there? Yeah. I'll take all the Patreon money and bribe Elon Musk <laughs> to allow me to restore a shitty screwdriver in space. You know, that would be cool because you could actually, if you had no, it would look like the exploded drawing that is always in catalogs. Yeah. And you could, could just be as the reality as, of the exploded drawing. As long as they never have to move the ship anywhere to do yeah. anything. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Wonderful. Cool. Mm -hmm. So what did we acquire this week? Anybody get anything good? I don't Andrew, even know where to start. Andrew got all of the stuff this week. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah. Andrew bought we everything. Yeah, we couldn't buy anything because Andrew bought it all. I really had probably one of the most epic weeks of my of my buying, uh, I don't know if you call it career, my buying life, whatever. Can I ask you a question? Two, two years ago, sure. we'll get into what you bought because it's a, it's a mother load. But do you think two years ago you would have been able to make this move or you would have wanted to make this move? Or has, has Instagram inspired you to be more daring with your buys because you know you have an outlet to show it off and potentially sell it back? Oh, no. I, I would have bought this 100% two years ago, five okay. years ago, 10 years ago. This is like – you don't get this opportunity. Right. You know? So it's like if you can and you want it, you better do it because if you don't, the next one it's going to. Right. You know? Right, right, right. Yeah, it's a crazy, 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 crazy ordeal. So where do you start? How did you get this lead? And we'll, we'll start picking apart the actual things you bought. But how did you get this lead to begin with? So I have a couple of friends in the area that uh, that I have been utilizing as a third party to get some, some antique machines for me from a guy who is a, a, an extreme uh, recluse in a way. He, he's... Uh, He's known to be a little bit moody at times and whatnot. And these other guys are good friends with him. And so because I'm kind of wild sometimes and I'm young, whatever, I just let them uh, do the negotiating for me and whatnot. 
long short is they called me and said, hey, you know, the guy that's liquidating everything, and I'm going to leave his name out of it, even though a lot of people know who it is, I'm sure, uh, found found an 18-wheeler or there was an 18-wheeler behind one of his barns that he had totally forgotten about wow. for the last 30 years. How do you forget he about something like that? Opened it. Well, I'll tell you, because it's kind of a bizarre thing, or it is a bizarre thing. He he was like the most extreme gas engine collector you could imagine, like the nicest of the nice gas engines, like stuff up to $250,000 for one engine, you know, wow. and he had one right after the next. So steam wasn't really his thing, right? So he wasn't really, it must have just been an out of sight, out of mind thing. Right. Right. So they called me and said, hey, he just remembered that he had this and he's not advertised it anywhere, whatever. It seems like something that you would love. You got to come down and take a look. And so I went down there and took a look and, and bought it. It was funny. I, they opened the, the trailer. They didn't even have a key. We had to cut the lock, open the trailer, and I go inside and make one lap around it come back out and the, the guy's old and he, he's not in good health and all that. And I just took my hand out and he was like, what? And I said, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> no, no discussion. No, 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 nothing. I didn't even really know the price at that point. Wow. <laughs> I said, I'll, I'll take it. He's well, we'll like, tell, okay. tell everybody what it is because we haven't mentioned it, what it is. A lot of people who follow you on Instagram. know, but, but maybe the, the majority of people don't. Okay, so what, what it is is a very early uh, oscillating steam engine. It was uh, originally, in 1930, Henry Ford was over on the Thames River, which I've been told is not the Thames River. It's the Thames River in London on vacation doing whatever he was doing. And he, he uh, saw this boat, fell in love with it, and it was a double paddle wheel boat. And uh, essentially he bought the boat. For one hundred and ninety-five dollars in nineteen thirty, and what was so intriguing to him about it was this huge steam engine, double oscillating steam engine. Uh, so he cut the engine out of the boat, left a portion of the hull on either side where the paddles would be exposed on the exterior, and shipped it back to his museum where it was on display for forty years in the Henry Ford Museum. I've got pictures of it in the museum. And then in 1988, uh, when they were having their overflow sale to make room for new things, you know, in the museum, this uh, was one of the items that was for sale. And uh, this engine collector in Texas bought it and put it in an 18-wheeler and had it hauled to his place and forgot about it ever since, up wow. until last So it's not seen the light of day. It hasn't been on display anywhere. And so I'm going to uh, get it out and you know, make it available for everyone to enjoy. It's got tons of brass on it. It's, it's unbelievable. This piece. I was going to say how much, how much of it is brass? Like I was going to ask a lot of the majority of it. Like one of the coolest things is is that, you know, it's two engines. So the exhaust on either side is like this huge S curve, eight inch in diameter, 14 feet long, solid brass. Wow. I mean, it's just crazy. It's crazy. The thing's crazy. I mean, when when I, when I open the doors to the 18-wheeler, and it's like this weird, like, step-down, low-boy 18-wheeler, not like the ones we use today. Uh, I was just like, the first thing you see is, like, 10 feet tall of the hull of the wooden boat that's English oak, you know, just beautifully cut and all that. I mean, just unbelievable. It's got it's the six-inch shaft 
from the paddle wheel that they had to cut to fit into the freaking trailer. I mean, it, the damn thing is just remarkable. I saw the cutoff yeah. end of like maybe an eight inch diameter shaft. Is that the shaft that would run the paddle? That's correct. Yeah. Totally. Whoa. And it was oh, cut, looked like it was totally. flame cut. Was it flame cut or? Cut? It was flame cut. It was cut with a torch, but it was cut in like 27 different angles because That's they're so <laughs> thick. Nuts, wow. man. Wow. So yeah, I, I, I found a screwdriver. <laughs> quiet, you. I'm not done yet. <laughs> so the biggest challenge is I, I have a buddy with well, his 18-wheeler ready to go, you know, so we can pull it out and all that, but what I didn't realize is that the like the tires and wheels are like six inches subsurface because it's been yeah. sitting there so long. One of the jacks in the front's broken, so the trailer's leaning. And 30 years ago, when they put the trailer there, the trees, I'm sure, were really small. Well, now the trees surrounding it are monsters. Yeah. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a, a epic uh, extraction event for sure. And and you just you knock down all the walls. You can't back up to it because there's a creek right behind it. Like, it slopes down. So it's, it's like uh, everything that could be a challenge is, is there. Oh, good. Whoa. Are we going to have cameras on this the whole event? Yes. Yeah, they're coming down to film it. What you need to buy is basically like a fire truck. Well, you got ladders. You got winch, winches. You got everything. No, I'm going to cut the – I'm going to get one of those gas-powered abrasive saws, you know, like Steel has, and just cut the trailer up and lift that thing off and then use a crane to pick up the engine and put it on a low boy trailer. Wow. That would be fun. That'd be really fun. Are you going to be able to get the low boy out into the, to the terrain out there? No, it, I can get it close enough to where this crane can lift it up and, and have it has the radius around. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, are you going to buy the low ball trailer or low boy trailer too? Is that yours? You won't. You have to. I, I did buy it, yes, but and I don't know how he's going to feel about me cutting it up right in front of him. But no, I'm, I'm saying anyway. the, the trailer itself that the 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 motor will go or the uh, steam engine will go on. Did you buy that? Oh no, no, no. That's a buddy of mine. No. Oh, so you can you can store it you for thirty years behind there. your house? No, no. He'll haul it up to my place and then I'll offload it. The engine uh, just weighs thirty thousand pounds, so I can I can you, offload. You gonna put on a couple of dollies, moving dollies? I've got some yeah. of those uh, antique. I've got some of those really antique uh, house moving dollies that have four wheels on them. They're each wheel's twenty four inch in diameter, has a huge plate on the top, and I've got six of those. So I'm going to put it on that. Princess Auto Up sells these really nice ones. They're like eighteen by fifteen. Yeah. They're uh, six bucks a piece. You know, yeah. if y'all use that again, construction, swear to God, I'm going to die. Like, how do you do that? Pine, and they're made out like of plywood, so they don't really use hardwood. So you could feel like you're doing it environmentally. Uh, yeah, and they won't, uh, they won't, you know, separate in any direction as the wood movement happens. <laughs> if you put that engine on those dollies, they would just immediately, they would be like they were air, like you put them on like pillows. They would, no, they would I, I, think, I think the engine actually just physically rejects them and hovers on top of the dollies. <laughs> I just texted y'all a picture of the dollies. Oh, and actually, my God. Oh, when you say a house mover, you mean moving the house, not moving the contents of the house. Oh, yeah. Like, I, wait a minute. I, wait, this is no Bush League stuff here, dude. They're not talking about a two-wheel dolly like from the freight store. I thought you meant like dollies like, oh, put a big cardboard box and all the bedding in it. Make sure it gets out to the street. Oh, these dollies are rated for 200,000 pounds each. And where did you get those? Did you buy those? Don't worry about it. Wait, I bought yeah. them from, you, up in Kansas. You, own you don't these know already. Fred? You don't yeah, know Fred Dolly? Everyone knows Fred Dolly. Fred Dolly. Oh, my 
God. Of, of the Dali Empire. What's beautiful about these is that they're all cast iron. We have to put a picture up. That as opposed to now, you see them and they look like basically like they took in a truck uh, off the rear end of an eighteen wheeler. The, the house mover now is, things have all rubber on them. Oh yeah, yeah. No, these are really old school. The other thing is, I called Keith Rucker and he's going to come down and uh, once I have it assembled and show me how to start it and run it and all that kind of stuff. So I bought steam engine. Then I bought this Gardner air compressor, this massive antique uh, air compressor. And then I bought also a, a 50 horsepower electric motor, which all of this is kind of an oxymoron because the steam engine was run back in the day when it was, there was no electricity, like, you know, whatever. Right. You're just going to demonstrate the mechanics of it. The yeah. So Keith, Keith is going to come down and, and fire it off of air for me. Right. So somebody, so a troll might say, why don't you just run it off the electric motor to begin with? Why do you have to run all that other stuff? You're just demonstrating yeah. history. It's just because uh, I can. No, what what those people need to know is that I'm too ADHD to, to own or operate any steam boiler tank, period. It's too dangerous. Don't yeah. invite me over. <laughs> Don't ask me to do it because I'll likely walk away while it's still boiling and then yeah, explode. Yeah, so it's just not a good idea. Yeah, you should buy buy one of our local Saskatoon boilers made by this boiler Saskatoon boiler manufacturing company. Really, they're still in business from 1909. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if it's exciting to you. Not at all. <laughs> you can so, pay exorbitant amounts of money to ship it over. The I mean, just like. I want to kill myself right now. So Andrew, <laughs> so you got the boiler, you got the sorry, you got the you got the steam engine from this dude, and you got yep. the the compressor, you got uh, the the motor, you got a tractor, you yep. got me a little printer. Thank you. And what else did you get? All from the same collector. All from the same collector. I got a couple of small engines and. Hey, what else did I buy down there? <laughs> <laughs> He's talking to his wallet. <laughs> His wallet just jumped up out of his pocket with little, like, Mickey Mouse arms and legs. His wallet's just like, oh. feed me. <laughs> I, I made a, an offer on a ridiculous piece, and I'll find out tomorrow whether or not uh, I'll own it or not. But that the, the Thomas Edison Dynamo motor, I did make an offer on. So That's from the same guy? It's from the same guy, yeah. Wow. I don't understand how all these people are in Texas. Yeah, really. I mean, where's Snowland? You don't go to Snowland anymore? Yeah, but I do when it warms up. <laughs> when there's no snow. Is, I'm going to be doing some traveling pretty soon, and you're going to be like, where in the hell is he? Oh, yeah, I like when I, find a, when I find a big collector up here, he's like, I have hockey cards. <laughs> <laughs> so many hockey cards. Hockey cards. Jimmy, the fact that you use that red bandana to like oh, don't even things. don't even talk about it. <laughs> don't even that that Did thing should be that at the oh. it's awful. Like it should be at the CDC or the hold on the snot rocket rag in the back of oh. your pocket. It's just making me sick to my stomach. Oh my! You the know best what? is he uses it to then wipe down everything before he gives it to customers. <laughs> And he's like, here, here, here's my my snot all over it. I buffed it with my snot. Are you, are you rabies? Are you foaming at the mouth or what? No, I just, uh, I don't know what's going on. You know, it's, I'm coming off a of coals. You're nervous today. Go smoke some weed again. No, you know, it, it's, I, I'm I'm straight edge for 31 years now, so thank you, everybody. But the, um, it's, it's. What does just, that mean? Oh, you don't do the weeder. I don't do anything. 
Yeah. I don't either. But. I don't even take it. I, I'll have like a, I'll have to have a headache for like four days before I even give in to taking an aspirin. I, I don't take anything. Doesn't even You're drink liquids. He'll definitely die of a heart attack. Oh the, no, I'm fine. My chest is fine. The doc, like uh, when I left, when I left the hospital, they gave me a bunch of codeine, and I just like when I left the hospital, I just threw them away. I threw them in the garbage. I'm the same way. I every surgery I've ever had, they give you pain pills or whatever, and I throw them away because you can't ever poop for like seven months after that. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a consequence. I just didn't. Oh, even, I don't want to. I don't even want to tempt fate. So I was like, you know what? I don't even want it. Let's just deal with the pain. It's not going to hurt any more than it did the minute it happened. So I'm already past that point. So just do us a favor, Jimmy, and get rid of the red bandana, please. Okay, use Kleenex or just blow your snot on the floor. You know what I have? Actually, I have about thirty of these. Yeah, we don't sure. believe it. Sure I do. I do. We don't believe you. Look, I'm really El lucky. bandito. Teresta bandito. This, my razor knife and my ice pick, I can solve any problem. If I don't, oh. I'm telling you, this has come in handy so many times. You ever seen anybody take a red bandana and get uh, take an empty bottle of wine with the cork in it, down in it, and a bandana and pull the cork out? It's pretty wild. I, yes. I could imagine how it would happen. It basically becomes friction between the wall and the cork, and you pull it straight totally. up. Totally, totally. I don't drink wine. So here we are. This is the Fits All Podcast, where we cover <laughs> vintage and antique tools. So glad you all joined us. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I got anything. I, I got my leather clicker. I got all my parts from McMaster Car to get it going. I bought a five-horsepower Baldor motor off of eBay, which is like the size of a car engine. I think I went a little overboard. So I will use that five horsepower motor, 220 volt, to run the clicker. But if I have anything else to use it for, I'll switch it out. I'll see how much pressure, how much power the clicker really needs. I got a, a gear reduction pulley, flat belt pulley, and all that stuff. So that's something I'm going to be setting up. I have a new that's printing. Cool. I have a new printing press on the way. A, a 11, 15, 14 by 22, which is huge. It's really big, Chandler and Price. That's going to be delivered any minute. So and that printing press I picked up for you, yeah, Kelsey really Star. Cool, but the uh, can you get the rollers? You know the rollers. Yeah, to go? the rollers are consumable. You know, it's if the cores are there, that is that rod with the rollers on each end. The steel they're there, roller, yeah, yeah. The middle goes bad. The middle is just in the past they made them in latex, so they're always garbage. The latex always deteriorates. Now they'll make them out of silicone, but that's the most important part is to have that. Actually, speaking of printing presses, I bought another little tiny Excelsior. It's like a $100 tabletop one, and I'm going to do a restoration video. There's a guy on YouTube who makes these restoration videos, and he gets like oh. tons of views. Oh, oh. Interesting. Oh, never mind. Oh, oh hey, oh, Eric. Hey, what's going on? So Interesting. Uh, I'm, going to do, I'm going to do a video in honor of Eric. Okay. Oh, restorate, I'm going to start a YouTube channel that mocks <laughs> both of y'all style. Yeah. You, you should. should do it, and it's just called Just Leave It Alone. <laughs> I'm going to call don't, it. Don't, don't touch it. If I could be as cool as these two. No, just leave it. Just hey, see this antique thing? Just just leave it. Don't touch it. Oh well, yeah, no, mine will be just. It'll be called pressure wash it. Oh yeah. my god, <laughs> pressure wash it. Well, I, I I peeled open that American bandsaw. It's funny, I didn't see any of those markings on it. I guess I was, you know, you it, you guys can both attest to this. When you get your hands on a really cool object, you want to just get it packed on the truck and leave as quick as possible. You don't want anybody changing their mind. You don't want anybody going, oh. Absolutely, yes. You know what? My nephew just called, and he said I shouldn't be selling this for this much money. You want to just get it wrapped up and leave. And yeah. So I wrapped up that bandsaw in Connecticut, and I got it on the truck. And I, I really was more anxious about getting home in one piece because it was a long ride with the trailer and everything. And so I got it home. I put it in the barn, and I haven't looked at it. 
because it's been negative 10 degrees literally for the last two weeks. So I finally got a chance to open it up, take the straps off because I, I made a dolly for it. I made a dolly for a new video. You know, I do YouTube, right? I made a YouTube video where I made a dolly that goes under the bandsaw. So in, in the next couple of days, probably maybe tonight, maybe tonight I'm going to try and get it on that dolly. So I have to pick up a 2,000-pound bandsaw, hover it 4 to 10 inches in the air, get the dolly under it, and then resettle it. And I've been looking at uh, all kinds of overhead cranes and stuff. Well, sounds like a pretty easy task, but you're going to make it a you're going to make it a challenge. I'll tell you what, it's funny. Today we're going to talk about how to move heavy things. He's just, been... just going to tell everyone about one click at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One then... click, one click at a time. And uh, I I have some small hydraulic lifts, you know, hydraulic jacks. I have a couple of hydraulic jacks, and so I'm going to pick it up from underneath. It's already up in the air five inches. It's on these two big wooden tie rods. So I could jack up the front, get the dolly underneath a little bit, take out the front tie rod, keep it hovering. It's, ho it's a hollow dolly. So once I get the dolly up to the first jack, I'm going to put the other jack inside the thing, jack it up, move it over, and keep moving it over until I can settle it down. No? <laughs> My God, Jimmy. <laughs> Why don't you buy a, a forklift? I, I need a forklift by tomorrow. need a forklift, like... Get one, dude. I, I will. I need a forklift by tomorrow, though. That's the problem because I have to finish it's, this video. It's almost better for you to have a forklift than a vehicle. I know. Yeah. That's a good idea. Because I was then gonna... you just roll into people's backyards and be like, oh, you need this? Thanks. Yeah. I'm here to pick up my stuff. It took me eight and a half months to get here, but. Yeah. So, all right. So, let, to, to, to delve into the topic a little bit, I have this bandsaw. It's sitting on my doll. It's sitting on my trailer. I got an 18-foot car carrier. It's sitting on the trailer. It's on two tie rods that are about five, six by five inches. It's facing the long way up because the guy put it on with his forks, so it had to be kind of high in the air so he can get his forks out because the side of my trailer has got like a four-inch steel lip. So it's sitting on these two tie rods. I can't really go to my trusses in the sky. I can, but I'm afraid they're not going to be able to handle it. My trusses over in the barn are... 14, 15 feet in the air. Don't, yeah, don't do that. Not yeah. with wood. No way. Yeah. Listen, do you know what gin poles are? No. Are you familiar with gin poles? Uh, no. I'll just say no. For so this. it's 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 essentially a, an A-frame, if you will, lifting mechanism that you bolt uh, the wider portion of it, like to the rear. Oh, you like, can do it on like trailer. April's April's new lift for her lump for her lumber. Yeah, it, but it's a little different style. Hers is more. Uh, but picking up her cut lumber or cut trees. Yeah. This is more A-frame shape, and anyways, you could you could weld a set of gin poles on the back of your trailer and and lift so much stuff it would be crazy. Whoa. But how do I lift straight up? That would really lift up at an arc from the pivots. So the gin poles have got to be, you know, longer than the trailer, right? And it, it depends on where you position them. But you position them at the rear; it's longer, and the winch goes out. You got supporting cables coming down. You know, and then you can pick stuff straight up. Hmm. Are, you, are you saying picking them up on the ground and then doing a complete 180 loop so it comes back down onto the trailer? You can do that. Yeah. Because yeah. I was going to do, I'm going to have to draw a picture of this. You're going to laugh at me. This is one thing I was thinking of doing. He licked his finger before he started drawing. That but I licked, I licked the Band-Aid that's made out of cloth. Oh! <laughs> God! You just put AIDS in your mouth. <laughs> You're gonna laugh at me when I do this solution, and it's gonna work. It's of just, it's so. just, it's just a photo of Brett doing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Okay, let's see your photo, Jimmy. Meanwhile, later that same evening, what is this? All right, so that's the bandsaw. And I'm going to okay. strap the bandsaw to the D-rings on the trailer right here. Right? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to use this chalk as a pivot, and I'm going to ratchet it back and tilt this up in the air just enough to get this front chalk out. I'm going to okay. roll my dolly under it and then do the same thing in the other direction. But because my dolly is hollow, I can chalk it inside the dolly. You know what is I mean? this it sitting? Is it sitting on your trailer still? It's sitting on my trailer still. Yeah. Okay, so once it's on the dolly, what do you do? Then I just let it roll off the thing at 100 miles an hour. It's just going to go down. Yeah. Like, it's it's like, a tilt. It'll, it's a tilt trailer. Oh yeah, that's right. It's a tilt trailer. Yeah. Yes, those are good. What what about using a tow jack? Just jacking it up. I, I well, that's I have I have two little tiny from uh, Princess Auto. Uh, two little jacks, bottle jacks that I could put up underneath it and do the same thing. Interesting. Interesting. I'm getting a head shake. Yeah, from the I will. Uh, no, that's fine. I will second that a uh, tilting trailer is is very nice. Yeah. Um, because I just have like a Honda Element and a really low <laughs> flat deck, a, fl a really low flat deck uh, tilting trailer with a winch on it. And that's been 100% fine for for what I needed it to do. And it carried enough weight, and I just kind of hook up stuff to the winch and pull it on and pull it off. And it's easy. Right. And it doesn't cost that much. But a forklift would obviously be Yeah. So I, may, I, I need to finish this video. By the time this podcast comes out, I don't think I still will have finished this video. But this video is going to be me making the, making the dolly. And then picking the bandsaw up and putting it on the dolly. And that's the segment. I've already made it, but the segment of me picking it up and placing it in place hasn't happened yet. And yesterday I had like 10 guys here. And I thought for one second, let me see if we can use all this muscle to do this. And then I was like, you know what? They're all macho guys. I don't want, you know, they're all, everyone's going to have the better idea. So I said, you know what? I'll just. Oh, take... you just left it out of the whole equation? No, no. I just, I was about <laughs> to ask these guys. They're all helping me out with electric for a minute. And I was like, let me ask these guys. And I was like, you know what? I'll just do this alone. I'll just do this alone. Because it would just hook a chain up to your Polaris. Yeah. And, and hook a chain up to the saw. Mm -hmm. Put a bunch of tires at the end of your trailer. And put the thing in drive and just haul flat ass as fast as you can and jerk the saw off and let it land on the tires. It'll be fine. Yeah. No, this is too beautiful. There's too many beautiful thin castings on this that aren't broken yet. It's got yeah. casted doors. It's got casted like knobs. The whole no, doors. I hope. I hope it comes off easily. Oh, so last night I was actually looking at it and I was peeling. I was opening up the doors and looking at it. And I, I sent you guys some pictures of the the beautiful logo cast into the housing or cast into the arm, and then that that really beautiful decal that looks like those water transfer decals. Yeah, has, the gold. Yeah, is with a globe and an eagle on it, which was incredible. I didn't know it was on there. And then it has the actual machine plate. Which says the company name and the, the the town of origin, which is really beautiful. And everything is marred in like a thick, oily sawdust. It has like the sawdust it's on it. Last my, time it was one used. of my favorite finishes. Yeah, is and the oily sawdust. You guys both said, "Don't go near it. Don't even touch that decal." I was thinking about trying to uh, <laughs> wet pressure wash the whole thing and see if the decal oh, yeah, survives. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You should see. You should high pressure wash all the decal off. <laughs> That's that's genius. 
Andrew, are you looking up how to pick up a 2,000-pound bandsaw in space? (laughs) No. No. I got the word. I I got a text that said, and the first word was Baudry. You know, I had to see what that was. Oh, I saw saw, uh, Chris's Baudry yesterday. He was at my shop. Did you see that? I did. Yes, I did. He called me about 7,000 times during his purchase of that that hammer. (laughs) (laughs) Is Is it a real Baudry? It is. is it, it, it says Baudry. It, it is it's like not a, it's not a it's not a Faudry. It's it, a it's a cheaper version of the bigger, more industrial hammer. It's still a great hammer. It's still you know a really cool hammer. It's just the Baudry utility hammer. But yeah. let me ask, what the pinnacle of power hammer design would be? Say you want something like under you know two hundred fifty pounds for mechanical. Mechanical, yes. I think Baudry's are amazing. Baudry? All right. Yeah, totally. Totally. Not a nasal. A nasal? Not a mechanical hammer. That's a, a gas pressure, right? Steam or air? It's, a no, air? it's, powered, it's powered by um, licorice and Skittles. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I was thinking of that. Yeah. Interesting. No, so, uh, there's so long yeah. stuff contained. Interesting. Um, I've also to move heavy stuff. I had, uh, when I used to do urban logging or at least more urban logging than I do now, uh, I built what basically looks like a pipe mover, um, which is just like, uh, like ice tongs on an A-frame with wheels at the bottom of it. And then a really long pole that extends out of it. I'll put a picture up, but I could lift personally, just one guy could lift like a 2000 pound log push it onto the trailer and drive away. Mm, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. When I was like, uh, helpful for machinery as well. Big time. When I was like 14 and 15 year old, I would just take a pry bar and pry the front of a machine or something up and put rods, you know, round rods under yeah. it and start rolling it forward. And like, by the time I was 17, I would like get home with it, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. So I used to do that when I was younger. But that's all, that's a great way to move. That's equipment. how that's how I moved my Bridgeport. My Bridgeport was on like the fourth floor of a factory building, and I just bought maybe eight or nine four foot long three eighth rod, and I just threw them on the floor. I pushed it along that. We were able to make turns and everything with it. And then, then wait, let me break that down for everybody. Yeah. What Jimmy's saying is. He didn't go to the steel yard and buy a 20-foot section and cut it down himself. No, he went to Home Depot, <laughs> bought four-foot-long. No, honestly, pieces. I know I know you think I'm lying because you want me to think, you're going to think I'm trying to sell macho. I did I did buy 24-foot pieces and cut them down. So now, oh. but you can go to Tractor Supply now. Now you can go to Tractor Supply and get three and four-foot pieces if you want to do that. But that's why I had so many of them because I bought a bunch of three-eighth rod for a project and I brought them with me and we pushed the we pushed the bridge port out onto the elevator. Now bridging the elevator gap was a, I was with like two guys. I didn't know. I hate moving things at all with anybody else, but I hate moving things with people. You don't Me know because it is a test Me of too. macho will. It is, uh, you know, like, Oh, I have, I have more experience than you. I have more experience than you. Well, I move this. Well, I move that. I move that. You know, the whole time you're doing that while well, you're busy trying to drop the thing. So you we, know what I do in that situation? I'm just really loud and I, I don't let anyone else talk. And I right. make, I just make just overwhelming demands. To where people don't want to be there. Yeah, that's smart because we we got it. And I hired these guys to move You it. stick this in your ass. You eat this piece <laughs> of cheese. 
I hired these guys to help me move it. And I was just there to kind of supervise. And then I, I soon realized I made a mistake. I hired a bunch of idiots. So I was like kind of taking charge and helping them move it. And we got it out onto the loading dock, which is one of these loading docks that's like 60 inches in the air because it's sure. a huge factory complex. So the loading dock is was just – we got lucky that the loading dock and the truck, we had a really high boy flatbed that like carries tons of steel. And we were able to roll it onto that with four skates. And this is why I always say when you move anything heavy, you really need three skates. Four skates because one will always get left behind. Four things will never find the level. Three things will find the level. So we had the, the – the Bridgeport was on four skates. We pushed it off the loading dock. We bridged a piece of like eighth inch steel to cover the gap. We got onto the, the back of the truck. We pushed it like six feet. And as we all thought, we were able to be like, okay, cool. We got it to where we got it. Now we just got to jack it up and take the skates out. As we all alleviated the pressure of what we were doing, we realized it was only on three skates. One of them was like six feet behind us on the loading dock. We pushed it. And nobody noticed that one skate stayed off. Oh, the good. And as we let go oh, of it, Lord, it, tilted, yeah. it started to tilt. And oh, good. there was four of us. Two said, save it. Two said, let it go. I was one of the guys <laughs> that said, save it because it's mine. It would have tumbled off the truck in about five feet onto the earth. It would have gotten oh, destroyed. Nice. So I, I would have said, let it go. You can't ever do that. You just let it go. No, but if we. If someone's going to get hurt, you just say, screw no, it. No, well, it, it, it hadn't passed its center of gravity. So. I said, ah, right. ah, and we all jumped on my side and pushed it back up and then got the skate underneath it or, you know, propped it and then got those, all those the Those machinery skates, skates are so dangerous. I have they several are. sets of them, and, man, they're so dangerous. Even if they're the right ones are dangerous. They are because it's a false sense of security. That's why I really – people always say – Another thing, too, is when you move heavy things, you really got to use thin rod, quarter inch or three-eighths. You guys could argue with me. But people are always oh, like, oh, use, like, use a two-inch rod. I'm like, why? So the thing can get out of your control? If you use a two-inch pipe, black pipe, yeah, that's huge. it goes too far too fast. Yeah. You the want you you want to have it to somebody in front of you sweeping the floor. Yep. You know? Yep. Because uh, if you hit a rock like early, a little one, it just stops. Well, uh, that's and a lot of times when I take things off the deck of the trailer, I let it slide on the wood, and people are like, "Oh, why don't you put rolling rods underneath it?" I said because it's at uh, you know a twenty twenty five degree angle. I don't want it to roll. I want to be able to drag it, drag it, drag it. You know, put the the Johnson bar underneath it and crack, crack, keep cracking where it ends up settling, so right. you don't lose control of it. You're talking about moving something that's two thousand pounds or, or more or thirty thousand pounds. Yeah, especially on a tilt like that. Yeah. You don't need high speed off the trailer. And uh, another way I've done it, it's in a video where I move my, my South Bend lathe. I have a, I think it's called a bally. It's a lumber. It's, it's, got a, uh, it's got a nylon rope. Have you guys ever seen me use this? It's, it's, red, it's a red ratchet come along, and it's for moving lumber. And it's a 60-foot rope. And if you back it on, if you double it back with the pulley in the middle to get that extra leverage, it's a 30-foot rope. So, you know, with, the, with the, the pulley at the apex, you get a lot more cranking power. So yes. what I'll do is at the end of my trailer, this is hard to explain, I'll connect the ratchet on one side of the open end of the trailer and the, the end on the other side and the pulley I hook up to the unit. So as I'm ratcheting it, that triangle is getting smaller and smaller, and it's pulling the object off of the trailer. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. totally. Hey, y'all keep yeah. talking. I want to go get something to show you that you'll th you'll you'll love it. <laughs>
I'll be right back. So it's like a come along. It's like a come along, basically. Yeah, but you make you make a come along, and you you know the other thing that's really good to have when you move stuff is these these loops, these uh, moving or these these sling loops. Do you have any of those? You ever see those? Uh, I'm not sure. They're like nylon belts. It's just like a closed loop that could be the short one, so you can connect other loops together. And, right. Okay. And like a direct pull might hold four thousand pounds. If it's looped into itself, it'll tell you that only holds two thousand pounds. If you tie a knot in it, it says the knot will only hold so many pounds. So they're all rated. And I'm friends. I'm friends with the guy that moves a lot of heavy stuff, and they they can only use them like four times before they they're no longer usable. They're still good, yeah. but because of like the OSHA regulations where he works, they will only let them use the slings like three or four or five times. Andrew, I have a friend that, that that has access to these slings. He says they're only allowed to use them a few times because after that they assume they're weak, and so he gives them to me to break right. them. Yeah, so I'm not moving the heavy stuff. He's moving. So the slings are still pretty good rated. All right. He's holding up. Good. <gasps> Where did you get those? So these are – this particular one's rated to hold 18,000 pounds. Oh, my God. But you got to move it on slick material, though. You're holding a, yeah, you're holding a steel started... plate with ball bearings that penetrate both sides. Right. So. And I've got them in, in tons of different sizes and stuff. Oh, wow. Interesting. Those are great. Really low to the ground, which is what you want. You don't want anything higher than a couple inches. I mean, a couple inches this is, is it, too much. It's a, This it's plate it. right here is two inches wide by four inches or six inches long. It's got ball bearings pressed in it, and uh, it holds 18,000 pounds. So it's basically like when you see a cartoon figure rolling on marbles, and they like, and then they fall on their butt. It's like if yeah. all those marbles were in a tray and you could use a controlled sliding mechanism. I've had a couple of close calls with machinery skates. So I, I found these instead of machinery skates because of how low profile these are. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I never saw so, those before. They're great. Interesting. That yeah. would be cool. I'd like I'll to. Show, I'll send a, a picture to the podcast admin to post it up on the fitsall.com. The only oh, thing, okay, though, yeah, with those middle. with those little uh, with those ball bearing skates, those ball bearings look like they're a half inch or smaller. Oh, actually, the, the big one holds fifty four thousand pounds. The twelve inches thirty six thousand, and the six oh, inches fifteen thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But <laughs> you got to make sure, though, like a lot of castings, like this band so I'm about to move has has a lip under the edge. So the casting will really only have like a small lip. So with, with something like that, you might need like two sheets of sheet metal or something, one underneath and one over it. So you could, you, I have these little press fit dowel pins and there's holes in there. So you could put one on the leading edge. Oh, it's so it acts, acts as a, you know, you can just push with it. Right. Cause the balls are on both sides, you know, right. right. Odd. Oh, yeah, I've not seen those. I would just uh, why not just throw a bunch of marbles in front of the machine? You could do that if they didn't like a Home Alone style marbles, situation. Ball bearings, maybe. Well, that's what the, that's what the rods are. The rods are basically long, straight ball bearings, like unidirectional ball bearings. Yeah, but so the rods are great as long as they're going in the right direction, and you know you're keeping up with them, and you're putting one in front of the next, and you make your way to the back. But the part of the machine needs to always be kind of on the ground right yeah so, yeah so that you can push and go and you have stability there but with these not uh, in space uh, yeah. yeah but we're not space hello.com i've moved so many bridge ports so easy in space at the end of the day there's always going to be a challenge 
Have you really? Don't, don't worry about it. You kind of caught me off guard there. Uh, <laughs> always challenges, different challenges presented with, you know, each thing you buy, where it is, where it's located, is dirt floors, is it a asphalt, you know, concrete. Yeah. What I mean, what's the height clearance? A lot of times I'll go buy something and, and these people somehow miraculously got it in a facility that has no head clearance. So I can't just drive a forklift or a machine in there to pick it up. You got to dismantle it. A lot of guys take that Bridgeport's apart. I never, and get yeah, that's I another never. entire tactic is wait. just you have to take it apart. Andrew, wait. Andrew says he never takes anything apart. What? I will never take something apart to, to move it out. I was just no. Do it. Andrew does not have. I don't have patience. You don't have a wrench. You don't have the tools, but my God, and I go, oh, you got to put it all back together. To move it out the door. No, I'm I'm going to get it out the door. If I need to cut the door down, then I'll do it. <laughs> I'll take the house apart to get it out okay. of the door. Wait, that one time that when you true. picked up a big power hammer through the roof of a building and then you had to repair the roof of is that the only part of the building now that doesn't leak? Is the part that you put back? Yeah. I don't. I should call her and ask her if it leaks, man. <laughs> I put everything back. I actually went and bought a bunch of new stuff to put back because when I was taking it down, I kind of messed a few things up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, that's aggressive. I, my new tactic is just to call a tow truck company yeah. to move shit. Yeah. yeah, that's. I made you do that on the last. Yeah, time. by on on your recommendation because it was actually. Moving a five thousand pound power hammer was only like hundred and fifty bucks or something. Yeah, but up, it, was, up, it was nothing. Sure, you could just get like a bucket of water and just pour it on the floor, and it would freeze. <laughs> 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 yeah, honestly, we could. It would have been nice. You know, another tactic because uh, I moved out of the basement in the city, and and it, having a set of stairs at your workshop. Oh, what city do you live in? It sucks. Yeah, New York. The set of stairs <laughs> always sucks. So uh, there was very there were times where I passed on buys or giveaways because I just I was like, you know what? I'm not bringing that down the basement. I'm not going to try. But there were things I couldn't pass on that I brought to the property and just put in the property before I had a warehouse. So that being said, there are certain things that are a certain weight. depends on what they are. Like, for instance, a delta table saw. You can get it up and down a set of stairs by rolling it up the stairs. Yeah, yes. It's a cube, basically. Yeah. It's a cube. So you can literally like bring it to the bottom step, Flip it, hook it on like three steps up, flip it on that step, yeah. make sure you gently get it hooked on the, the sixth <laughs> step, and then roll it. And then by then, in my basement, we were able to be on the sidewalk because there was about 10 steps. And then flip yeah. it. and uh, So it's like one, two, three, you're out of the street. You're onto the street or you're out of the top of the stairs. So consequently, if we bring things down, I sometimes left them in the packing crate. As long as it's not filled with oil or filled with marbles or ball bearings or something that would spill, you could flip it one two three flips and get it down the stairs so that's always something just, to consider you can just let it go let it flip itself that's been another is that option basement still unoccupied it is it is we were down in it the other day i don't know if you saw my instagram story me and uh, i did i thought i was curious i was curious about is it it. Locked? That, do you own that place or what no no I, I i rented it it's in a it's in a a building that has uh middle income uh apartments in it and the basement was the super's place. And I rented it from the former director of that, that, of that organization. And then, oh, thank you for the thumbs up. That's technology. He just gave me a thumbs up, Andrew did. And uh, he's, looking, he's like, look, he's like, buttons. What do these buttons do? Oh, he gave me a heart. Oh. So they don't want to rent it. They don't need the hassle of someone like me down there. They liked me. And like I said, I knew the owner, I knew the, the president of the organization. That's why she rented it to me. But once I'm out of there, they are not renting it. They don't want to open a 
ball of wax to some idiot like me welding and grinding and carrying 16-foot strips of lumber in and out of the sidewalk hole. So they, they, they don't need the money. They just say, screw the Sidewalk it. hole. Did they leave Is that it the open? only access point? Uh, that is, there's that and ones in the back and, and also through the building. There are times it was easier for me to bring plywood through the internal stairwell. So I would go and get plywood at like five in the morning and get back there at like six, six thirty, and bring in like 10 sheets of plywood through the lobby before anybody woke up. Cause they would see me and like spit at the ground and like kick rocks at me because they hated me. So I'd have to oh, wow. bring sheets of plywood in it, like either three or four in the morning if I had them sitting on my truck or oh. go get them and bring them back. So I would load up the front foyer of the building with like 10 sheets of plywood, go park my car, come back, and then one by one bring them into the building through the internal stairwell. But thank God I don't have to do that anymore, you know. It adds character. Yeah, it adds character and broken knuckles. You get the knuckles. freedom of wide open spaces. I do now, yeah. It's, it's, it is awesome. amazing. I, it, it, I, was, I was hoping when you, on Instagram, when you were showing the, the old workshop, old basement workshop, that there were just like 12 crackheads taking dumps in the corner or something. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. This is, this like, is why how did they not get in there. They, the neighborhood is not like it used to be any little, like they would peel back windows that had like metal on them and doorways that like any little, like crack in the seam of any building or domicile would be peeled back, lived in, urinated in, defecated in and, and interesting drugs injected in those spaces. The neighborhood nice. is not like that anymore where there's more like, there's That's more, you left. There's regular, more law-abiding citizens that don't care. They don't see like, Lord. oh, there's a lock. There's no lock on that gate. In the, yeah. in, in the 80s and the 90s, you'd be like, there's no lock on that gate. There's money in there for me. I'll steal a screwdriver, a hammer, a light, a piece of copper. That'll turn into a vial of crack. That's what the yeah. neighborhood used to be like. So now the neighborhood is so much cleaner. Like if you opened a hamburger and left like a, like a Big Mac empty box on your front seat, somebody would break your window because they would think there's a Big Mac in there. Interesting. Nowadays, you. So back in the '90s, when I lived in that neighborhood, I would just leave all my car doors unlocked all the time, and you'd have to put a note in the door that would say, "The car doors are unlocked, so please don't break my window. Go ahead and rob the car mechanically. Don't break my window." Yeah, and that's a legit thing. You'd see, door <clears throat> doors are open, locks are open. Don't break the window to go rampage through my glove box. Just do it. I don't care. And That's weird. People would leave all that glove box, and if you had an elbow box in the between the front seats of the car, you'd leave that open. You'd leave your glove box open to show there's nothing in the car, because people would break a window, look in the glove box, and be like, "Oh, all I got is a pair of gloves and a flashlight that doesn't work. Oh, better luck next time." And now you're left mm -hmm. with a broken window. So, I think they'd probably break not. the window, wouldn't they, anyways? Instead of checking the door to see if it was unlocked. That's so what you're saying. saying you'd have to leave a note. You'd leave a note and stuck in the door window, in the window on the inside that says. Please don't break the window. The doors are unlocked. And oh, you, yeah. You hope actually that, not a bad idea. You hope the crackhead like knows how to read and, and they wouldn't break the window. That's crazy, man. Yeah. That'd be like having your trailer just leave, if you had an enclosed trailer, just leave it open to show there's nothing in it. Yeah. Or just leave it in your... In your... Or if you had a, a, a money safe, you could leave it open and show that there was no money in it. Well, Unless or if you must own a convertible car. In, in the 90s, my girlfriend and... And my ex-girlfriend and I owned a workshop, uh, a shop in the Lower East Side. And one of the decade decorations was an antique safe, which is one I still have. I put it in there and I locked it in the open position so that if anybody came in, the safe is locked open. So that, you know, somebody wouldn't put a gun to her head and say, give me the contents of the empty safe. And she'd yeah. be nervously trying to unlock it because she didn't know how to open. Nobody knows how to open a safe. 
and so I just had the door locked open. So anybody walking Isn't by. Four spins to the left, three to the right, four to the left, one back to the right. Here you stop on zero and go. Yeah, it's it's four, yes. three, two, one typically. And then you got to go to yeah. zero. Then you got to go to 90 or 10, depending upon who made the lock. And that would move the mechanism. You open the door. I have a lot of safes. Did I ever tell you I have a Why safe you just collection? Store, just store a uh, middle finger inside of all the safes. Somebody opens it. They're just, that's exactly what you get. <laughs> I've yeah. always wanted a cannonball safe. What is that? You don't know what a cannonball safe oh, is? Oh, with, with the round door, with the round door that it's on like. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. They're oh, unbelievable. Yeah. They're you can cool. store like a roll of quarters inside of one. <laughs> but, and they weigh like 10,000 pounds. Do you know, the, the, more than like keeping money, more than keeping money out of the hands of thieves, safes were really meant to keep objects like dollar bills and hundred dollar bills and documents fireproof. That's really the main reason for a safe having such a thick wall. Because back in the days when, uh, you know, the building on Main Street would burn, it would burn into 2,000 degrees. They would be completely gone. There'd be nothing left except a pile of ash because everything was made out of wood and the safe. And then if the safe is rated for certain heat, you could still open it up and your cash would maybe say be singed, but it wouldn't be gone. It wouldn't be vaporized. So that's why hmm. safes are mostly so thick because they were meant to be fire resistant more than theft resistant. I used to buy safes, like if I was out and about and someone was like, oh, yeah, we've had this safe forever. It's locked. No one's ever looked inside. I used to be so intrigued by that. And I'd bring them back to the shop. And I mean, it's a big chore to get into them, you know, and it yeah. makes a huge mess. And there was never anything inside never. one of them. Never. But, I, man, I used to go through the challenge of trying to get them open, you know. And safes are easy to move because they come with those solid steel wheels, those cast iron wheels. I went to a, a, a garage sale. In the Lower East Side, there was like a, a, an old bar. And the bar uh, was closed down after like 60 years. And they were selling all this stuff in the bar. And I went in and there was a safe, a beautiful green Yale safe with like beautiful writing on it and stuff. It was on its side. And the guys having the garage sale was a bunch of drunks. They had whacked at the door a hundred times with a sledgehammer. They destroyed the most beautiful <laughs> antique. And they didn't Ugh. get inside. They they busted the knob off, all the finials on the on the hinges. It was I was like I almost cried when I saw it. Like all you had to do is take a, a cutting wheel and cut a square hole in the back. You would have been able to get nothing inside of it. And then the facade of the safe would have been perfect. You take a, a cutting wheel, you cut a square, you chip away at the fireproof cement, and then there's usually another sheet piece of sheet metal. You cut through that, and then you can get in the safe. And then the front, and you could also in most cases open the safe from the inside if it doesn't have a, a second door. And then you could restore the safe to usable. It's just you end up making it like a closet, a beautiful closet for your handgun or whatever. But it was on its side, and I said to the guys, "I go, hey, can I buy the wheels? At least the, I bought the wheels." And they go, "Sure, give five bucks." I took the cotter pin out, I took all the wheels, and I left. And what those four morons didn't know is now they can't move the safe because ah. <laughs> I took the wheels nice. off it. And they're like, "Sure, take the wheels, five bucks." And I use those wheels for this wine closet that I made. But anytime I see cast iron wheels or anything, I always try and get them, you know, if I can. But I, I was like, I'm like, these morons have no idea that I'm going to make their life difficult in about ten hours when they close down and try and get rid of all this junk. But yeah, safe. Shame are, on you. Shame on you, boy. Shame on you. Well, I had to save something because it was going to go in a dumpster. They destroyed a beautiful antique, and I wanted to punish them. <laughs> the, the most Jimmy Garesta, the tool punisher. Yeah. yeah. No. I, Coming to evaluate your antiques, if you dent, scratch, or otherwise <laughs> break them, he's going to 
remove a piece and make it miserable for you to move, you jackass. The worst supervillain of all time. <laughs> but be- I, safes, I, I have a bandana. I, I love, <laughs> uh, yeah, me and my red bandana will ruin your antique. Yeah, but he's actually the one who started smallpox. But safes is another good, uh, another really good example of how to move something up a set of stairs. If your stairs are strong enough, most houses don't have like a good set of stairs. They have like a, a hollow set of stairs on two runners. But you could take a safe and flip it up a set of stairs, or flip it down, and never, yeah. never be on the downside of something. You could use ropes in a <laughs> in a strategic way to flip things down a set of yes. stairs. Unless you're in space. Yes. Okay. I just sent y'all a picture of a of a particular style of dolly, and you get two of them, and it has a jack on it with these lips at the bottom to where you you oh, take yeah. to the item you want to lift up, you put it on there, and you put a strap around both of them, you jack them up, boom, and they both have four wheels, and you go. Like this to me, in the scenario of not having a forklift, is probably the most ideal piece of equipment you wow know, i've never food. seen those i should listen to this podcast more often you you could actually make these a lot cheaper than you could buy them right oh those are awesome but uh i saw a guy that had a pair of these that were a, a military uh or built for the u.s military and man they really worked great i just got your dolly photos it only took like 30 minutes oh yeah i sent them yesterday Ugh. Apparently, crossing the border with wireless things is is a giant disaster. So, uh, I just sent you a picture of that uh, antique moisture meter. Is that cool or is that not cool? I, I literally only want it so I can see how moist things are, and then just say the word moist. Okay, like you have a yeast infection or something? No, nah, just checking moistness levels. Oh, okay. I I could actually use it for. Um, for what it was intended. The, the kiln-dried uh, lumber that I cut and checked right. the moisture. So I it, it, it could actually use it, but I have a moisture meter, like a little wireless one that is nice. But I really just I just want to see the moistness of things. Yeah, yeah. One of the, one of the best, best words of all time. Moist, yeah. yeah. I like, like the after, moist. After you say it, your mouth is disgusted. It's a, uh, it, you automatically have cotton mouth. Yeah, like it's a disgusting word that I now have a meter that detects the Moist. moistness level. Oh, it's glorious! It's glorious. So I uh, I saw. A, uh, oh, sh- here he comes. Oh, hey, what's up, guys? He, he had diarrhea. No, so my, I saw, my uh, electrician was leaving. I just had to go uh, give him a note. Quiet, Jimmy. We're talking. Sorry. Yeah, we're busy. So, I, by the way, join back, Jimmy. Come on. Come on in here. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. I was at this place a couple days ago, and there was a a version of a Mr. Deber that I almost bought. Oh, nice. To have. The guy wanted 500 bucks for it. You think I ought to pay for something like that for it? It's about the size of yours. Oh, yeah, definitely. It, that's, that machine pays for itself in, like, one or two batches every time. Does it? What is oh, a Mr. Mr. Deber? What what is a Mr. Deber? Oh, one of those vibratory vibratory deburring machines, you know, that you like so much. Oh, is it? Oh, you mean like a like a uh, like a deburrer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
like a tumbler tumbler that's your tumbler physically you're back but mentally are you here no i'm not i'm still i'm still hooked on the hydraulic forklift dollies i love these things yeah oh yeah you should get those i mean pair is only 2500 bucks that's worth a crush foot oh (laughs) no jimmy you just make them for that i mean you make them for probably 500 dollars. yeah you know i got too many things uh the the bird's been fine. He's gonna buy his. I've probably put like thousands of wrenches through the deburring machine with the same media, and it's fine. Does it yours have a constant water flow to it, or no? Yeah. So it's always circulating water. Yes. To clean, I guess that cleans the. And it's not just water. It's water in this kind of uh, non-foaming detergent. Ah. Uh, that helps kind of clean, clean up all the jazz. Right. And they actually come out. They come out so clean that I can go straight from uh, the deburring machine into the blackening solution without having to like throw it into acetone or something to degrease it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice. It's very nice. Andrew, are you still case hardening? Uh, Eric, rather, are you still case hardening all your tools? No, I switched to the blackening, like the chemical blackening for a finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because the case hardening finish wasn't very consistent and I didn't. Took like a, it looked like it took a lot of work. Uh, yes, it took a lot of work. Um, the blackening's similar amounts of work. It's just more consistent and, and better in my opinion. So are your wrenches hardened steel? Are they hardened tool steel? What is the steel they're no. made from? No, they're made from... Um, 44W, although that's the Canadian. Um, it's like computer parts and melted computer yeah. parts and toaster ovens and stuff like that. Is that true? It's made from a yeah, local. Yeah, they're 100% piece. recycled. It's 100% no, recycled. it's um, A36 in America. It's just like structural. A36 steel. is our common mild steel here. Yeah. yeah. it It's basically, I went for something as close as I can get uh, to, to butter? just the original steel that was used for these things. Mm-hmm. But I do really want to, and we're just getting started on it, like a, a line of ones made with like 4140, uh, and then heat treat and get it all oh, wow. perfect, unreal. Wow. Um, but those will obviously take more time and be more expensive. So let me, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little story about one of your wrenches. Um, Actually, Brett, oh, busy. All right. Well, uh, I'll say it to, to Andrew. Um, Brett, uh. Brett did a video where he took one of the wrenches you left with us and he stirred paint with it. Did you see that? Yes. Yes. So he just like kind of rinsed it off and let it sit on the side. Yeah. And what he didn't realize is that like any residue in there basically glued the thing shut. Yeah. So we couldn't open it and we put it in, we put it in, uh, uh paint stripper. Paint, we, we tried all different things like uh, acetone and then, uh, 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 Evaporust, and because I'll tell you one thing, Evaporust is great for removing paint. Brett didn't tell me the whole story. That's why he told it to me after he saw me trying seven different ways of doing it. I'm exaggerating. Oh, I see. He said, "Oh, this okay. got rusty. This got rusted shut." I'm like, "Oh, well, we'll just pop it in Evaporust." And then when that didn't work, I put it in acetone. And then I'm like, "What happened to it?" He's like, "Well, I mixed up like a paste thing with it," and and I'm like, "Oh, all right." So then I torched it, and I torched the hell out of it. And I torched the hell out of it. To, and I finally got it apart. I, I had Interesting. This, I have all these steel wedges, which also, I have these steel wedges. We're talking about moving heavy things. A buddy of mine, he's a steam fitter in New York City, and he gave me like a bundle of these little steel wedges he uses to prop stainless steel pipes up so that they're perfectly 
match so he could start his TIG weld. And he right. gave me a bunch of those, and they're great. I used one of them to sh- I, I sh- They're hardened steel. They're hardened steel wedges. I sanded the front of it down to like a razor blade and got it in between the, the jaws of your wrench and okay. started heat. I heated the hell out of it. It was like bright blue. I heated the hell out of it, and I was tapping it, and I was able to slowly pull it apart, got it apart, wire wheeled it, cleaned it all back up. And then I said to myself, I ruined the hardening of this thing. But there was yeah. no hardening is to be worried about then. That's the yeah. What is he saying? Sent to your face. <laughs> Andrew doesn't yeah, realize he the, can move uh, his, his computer around. The, the one I gave you, I think, is actually you can reharden it if you want. Well, I don't think Brett's going to really Aren't put it. Aren't you send him another one? Brett's not going to put yeah. it through the test. But I wanted to say one thing. So when I pulled it apart, all those contact surfaces are completely pitted. From whatever, yeah, so maybe whatever maybe he it was mixed, rust? whatever he mixed it with. It's totally pitted. I'll send you a detailed picture of it. Interesting. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So anyway, it's now it's back in order, but it, I was really I surprised see. to see that pitted surface. Yeah, that's quick. Yeah. Well, that must have been a little acidic, maybe. Mm-hmm. Whatever it was. I, I don't know. know. I, I He said he did it in a video, and I vaguely remember watching it, but I don't remember what it was that he mixed up. Um, yeah, he made some brass polishing solution. That's out right, of like, for the telescope. Like flour and some other stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just too many. This w- entire week has been shipping wrenches. And oh, my God. I've Are you been licking all the stuff. stamps? Uh, no, I have a machine. Ah, that ah, ah, ah. Oh, nice. Very nice. It, I actually found a little tiny sticker label thing, uh, like an antique one. A, but cast, iron, a cast iron stamp liquor? It's actually solid copper. Oh, nice. Wow. It's really weird. I don't know why they would have chosen that. But um, regardless, yeah, I just, I can't, I can't ship any more wrenches. My brain's going to explode. So you're shipping, do you ship them in just a, a Ziploc bag or do you wrap them in a beautifully printed box like the one that your friend sent you a picture of? That's it. It's just a red bubble envelope and then a black one for the minis. Do you have a, Do you sign a card that says "Thank you for your patronage"? I love you, Eric. Um, for the patrons, um, I send them like a a sticker and a thank you. But not everybody else. They just get like. The, but uh, for the wrench, the they, just, they just get the wrench. You don't give them like a coupon for a Dutch rudder or anything. Like a Dutch <laughs> oven. Dutch rudder. Um. <laughs> no. No, I don't. <laughs> Do you not remember what a Dutch rudder is? I I demoed it for you guys in Montana. Oh God! Is that that time so we were alone in the cabin? Yeah, it's a handy dandy way to help your buddy get you know do his thing and <laughs> and it not be like weird. Yeah, we're I I don't offer that specifically yet. <laughs> you should. It'll be like an add on. It'll be Listen, an add on on the I, website. Thanks for buying my wrenches. For the next one, you get a free Dutch rudder. You get a free reach around with every wrench. It's less it's less evasive than a reach around. Oh god. Oh my god. Oh good. I'm afraid to Google yes. Dutch rudder. Uh, I don't want my phone. I don't want the FBI to follow me. Don't Google Dutch rudder. The minis are on sale. That's was that's I guess my update for this week. It was just wrench based activities. And I started messing around with uh, old Japanning recipe again. Yeah, Japan. You talking about Japaning is like on an old projector when it's like kind of wrinkled. Is that what that Japaning is? Um, it can be, maybe. Uh, Japaning, like if any tool is black, 
Like your bandsaw is most likely just japanning, not paint. Right. Um, if anything's, you know, pre-war and it's black, even Model Ts were done with japanning. And what is it? Is it like it's, crumbled up bumblebee wings or something? What is it? Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, it's the crumbled soul. up bumblebee wings. <laughs> it's the souls of children. Crushed. What is it? Why is it um, just black paint? It is asphalt, pow- like basically powderized asphalt with a bunch of other jazz to make it. And where uh, do you get asphalt from? Is it like you mean ash, like from a fire? No, like literal. It's called asphaltum. So it's literal asphalt. Is asphalt? Um, uh, I thought it was a roadbed. I thought it was just made out of tar and rocks. What is that? Well, the tar, the blackness in the asphalt. Asphalt is the asphalt. Um, U M at the end of that. Um, it's a powder, very finely ground powder, like icing sugar, and you mix it with turpentine and boiled linseed oil. And then (laughs) Andrew's face just keeps wincing more and more. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But um, you can only paint it on. One surface, like horizontal surface at a time because it's self-leveling. Yeah. So any vertical surfaces, you have to kind of wait. Um, And then you have to bake it in uh, segments of, I think, 100 degrees up to and no further than 400 degrees Fahrenheit. And then it should be somewhat hard. It's an early version of powder coating? Yeah, uh, Yeah, maybe. No, it's still wet when it goes on. But I mean, like the net result is like similar. The net result is is a very very tough finish. Like any any hand plane you've ever seen that's black, anything else, like the finish is still on. It's very thick. It's super hard, and it just takes forever to cure. Like it's about a thirty day cure. Oh wow! Sounds Have y'all ever heard about this stuff? Uh, A bomb seventy nine taught me about this. Adam Booth. It's called Brunel's. Oxo blue. It's, it's spelled O X P H O. Oxfo blue. Oxfo. Yeah. Yeah. That what stuff is, that? is cool. What is that to? It's, it's like an instant blackening agent. It's really yeah. really cool. That's Why don't you I, use that? I do. Oh, okay. Good. Thanks. That's, Way to catch uh, up. Yeah. <laughs> I use a uh, copper copper two sulfate. Um, of course, I know the scientific chemical, which is actually if you went to Home Depot and you wanted to buy root killer, that's exactly what it is. It comes out in blue crystals. You can dissolve it in uh, some form of acid or which, by the water, way, it, it burns smoke. green. If you set it on fire, it makes a beautiful blue yes. uh, green yes. flame. Uh, Jimmy, so not try your stuff before you should. You'd love it. Jimmy would love it. Looks but, like blue Kool-Aid. You know what? I, I use uh, I use. Beechwood, uh, Beechwood is a brand of blackening agent. Presto Black is another brand I use. These are yeah. all I get. These are all chemicals that instantly blacken clean metal. Yes, it works also on brass and sometimes on aluminum. Although aluminum is really finicky. Um, but yeah, so a blackening agent is by Beech. You ever heard of Beechwood? Am I saying the name right? Yeah, uh, like Birchwood. Birchwood, Casey. Right? Yeah, that's it, Casey Birchwood. I was saying it wrong. I knew it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and there's that. Presto. There's Jax. Jax works too. Jax is another black. So agent. the problem with those is that they're all like pre-diluted uh, and unnecessarily expensive. So I just buy the super concentrated, like you know, of 50, to one, fifty to one concentration, and then I can do whatever I want to do. But yeah. it's serious stuff. Like they dissolve it in nitric acid. 
which would have a nice burn on your face. Mm-hmm. So is it better to, to use these blackening products or to do the Japaning? I know you get, it's two I think you get, you oh, get two different results. Yeah. You, get, you get like a painted first okay. version versus like a, a natural patina. Like, or, you know, obviously not natural, but a natural looking patina. Yeah, Japaning is insanely tough finish. I don't think a paint could stand up. A modern paint could stand up to literally liquid asphalt all over your tool. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Do you think that they had colored Japaning back in the day, or was it always black? I don't know if it was specifically called Japaning, but I know they had uh, different pigments that they could add to it. But I don't, I don't know how you would ever overcome the the sheer blackness of the actually asphaltum in the in the solution. So I've been curious, like that that uh, Rollstone bandsaw that I have. Yeah. It's, it has the original paint on it, the green or what? It's green with red like Earth, striping. Yeah. But would that be Japaning or would that be paint? Probably that probably oh, yes. not. Like the, if it has asphaltum in it, it it has to be black, basically. Oh, it has to be okay. Because it's you. so black, and it's not even really. It's a brown black, and it's that brownish black that everything that is antique has, and that's why when yeah. you when you go and repaint something with just flat black spray paint it just doesn't doesn't look exactly like you wanted to and that's why i I, need to perfect it because i'm dealing with a somewhat rare uh like tiny blower and i don't want to go too far with it and i want to kind of recreate that japaning i think that's so awesome i I don't have the patience for that but i'm glad you do because i want to watch it done he's going to get it it's very cool. <laughs> now, I do have a question. On your camera screen there, did you like? Did you take sandpaper and clean the, the lens with it? <laughs> On my camera screen? Yeah. Use a 600 grit. It's a, a blurred image of you. Let's clean that up for you. You should beard hair. Better? A little bit. There. So this is it. It's like really tiny. Oh, I've got to have that, please. And look at the like ornate insanity wow. on this the fast thing. And um, that's the name tag. I'll send a photo of this. Anyways, it's a Hypris blower, 800 RPM by LJ Wing Manufacturing, 90 West Street, New York City. Oh, wow. That's on the West Side Highway. Um, I don't know. We're going to try to get it to work and pump some air. It's apparently an, uh, a vacuum we? pump and a blow. I don't know. We is me and myself and I. Him and all his wrenches. Yeah. Uh, when he's not around, his wrenches all stand up like the brooms in Fantasia. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to pump anything. Oh, sorry. But someone, someone actually did help me find the patent on this, and now I know what to look for, so it's going to be interesting. But the reason is there's no photo of this anywhere other than one catalog like no one else has one that i can see so So i want to do it i want to do it service what what's the manufacturer of the oiler i'm not touching this um the oiler is a a lonergan's oh wow okay cool Oilers are really beautiful if, uh, the, if you listen and you don't know what an oiler is. It looks like something that would have come off a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It's like a real steampunk-looking thing. You fill it. It's a glass vial wrapped with brass framework, and you put oil in it, literally, and it fills up with oil, and as the machine gets used, you're oiling a bearing surface somewhere. 
And an old machine might have had those on every bearing surface. And you just make sure you could visibly see that they're filled with oil and your machine's keeping oil. Okay, really cool. You can regulate how many drips per the minute it has. Mm -hmm. So it has two sight glasses, an upper and a lower. Right. Your upper sight glass is how much oil is actually in the oiler, and the lower is you can watch how many drips per minute it's uh, receiving. Yep. My favorite. Regardless, I will get to this. So, Eric, was that driven by a, a, a foot treadle deal and a leather belt or what? Maybe. I think it is, yeah, totally. They didn't have B-belts back then. Come on. What? The main question, and I'll ask everyone else on Instagram, like, what is this for? What do you need the tiniest amount of blowing air for? Dental. Yep. Dental. As I say, dentists use the air to, to dry stuff off. And there's, there's a couple of compressors out and about that you might find. They don't look like industrial. A 1911 dentist. They look, yeah, they I have... Dental compressors that are they're wild like that. Not they, that wild. They're, they're ones that looks like it's got like a half a milk can on the bottom and all the mechanisms on top. And it's designed to, to look a little bit pretty because it's sitting in the corner of a dentist's office. Totally. And that's why I was thinking maybe his was like, that. that's a really cool piece, Eric. But I would, I would speculate that that would be uh, like have a foot treadle power in a leather, that, totally. you know, the round leather belt. The round yes, ones, yeah. Like, core, like a pencil thickness. Yeah. I use I use these rubber rings. I don't know. It, in place, that's what I powered the little lathe with in my last video. Um, oh, when did you post that video up? It's on, yeah, what is it on YouTube somewhere. It's on YouTube, YouTube yeah. Eric has a YouTube. YouTube. He has a YouTube Yeah. Because I found, I found a really odd electric motor. Not that It's not antique or anything, but um, it doesn't run on AC or DC. It is, well, it kind of does. It's a FWR, a full wave rectified electric motor, meaning you you plug it into AC power and it runs off of DC. So it was like an inverter back in the day. I have no idea. It's very weird, but it's awesome because I can very easily control the speed all the way down to basically nothing. So, people, what he's trying to tell you is when it's cold, cold, cold outside, he has so much time to ask the Googles different things. <laughs> he comes up with this stuff. Really, I'm just excited because I can pop it into uh, for my videos for powering whatever it is. You know, like this needs to run at only 800 RPM. The metal planer is at like 250. Like I can just right. quickly adjust it without having to buy like a VFT, a VFD. Uh, on a two horsepower cool. motor, it's slightly yeah. cool. I have but, a, so we could do a whole segment on electric uh, motors and stuff. You know, with the vintage equipment, it's always a challenge. Like the big Beaudry, you know, that I'm putting. I took that big blue motor off of there that I had on there, seven and a half horsepower. It was a seven and a half thirty, so it was two twenty seven and a half four forty thirty horsepower. Oh. It's a high torque low rpm motor which you can buy these days but they're god awful expensive you know mm -hmm. yeah so you try to get one that's rebuilt you know from back in the day like that blue one was from the 60s but, but you know when it comes to power in these machines it's it's so hard to get it's not hard you just have to really think about what you're doing and get the right piece so that you're spinning like that boat spinning at 180 rpms it's not it's not like all the common motors we have now that are, you know, 1750 RPM or whatever. Yeah. Yes. They are much, much faster now. And that's kind of a weird niche issue that the three of us seem to <laughs> have the most. 
I have. I tell you what. I have. A, I found the greatest. I found the cool motor. I'll send a picture of it. It's. It came with one of my printing presses. It's a. I don't even know. I never really took a close look at the plate, but it's got a lever sticking out of the housing. And when you turn huh. it on, that lever is a rheostat. You can adjust the speed oh, of, cool. of the motor. The motor's got to be from 1930s. And you push that little pad. It looks like a butter knife sticking out of it. And you move that lever, and the motor spins faster or slower. But you lose a lot of torque when it spins slower. So I had to put a smaller pulley on it because I want everything to go slower so I don't crush my fingers while I'm trying to print. But it is pretty amazing because you just tap it, and then all of a sudden the motor, the RPMs go up really quickly. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I never saw. It's actually before. really cool. Yeah, I'll send you guys a picture of it tonight when I go to the shop. But it's uh, it's a great motor. If there was ever more of them, or if they ever manufactured them this way now, that would be awesome. This oh yeah, to where you, where you like it had a VFD built in. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's just oh, mechanical. You, I don't know what that, they're doing, what what's moving, but it's a mechanical thing. Did you see that fifty yeah. horse electric motor I bought? Yeah, that, that one? giant one. I did. That's serious. It's huge, man. It's huge. That's serious. That, that thing is crazy. I can't wait to get that fired up. So I have my, my yeah, electric have guy um, sourcing the starter and stuff for it, you know, because you can't just fire it straight off. So as soon as he gets that, then I'll be able to fire it up. And those things are so heavy. They're just like solid copper. You try and pick it up. It, it feels like it's connected to the earth. Like you're gonna pull it and like the tree ball root is gonna be underneath it. You can't pick those yeah. damn things up. Unless you have a forklift. <laughs> so he has a forklift. <laughs> I can pick them up with my my cup of ball bearings. I could move it. Hey, the new the new place, um, the new workshop wrench place will have a forklift. So there you go. Wait, are you go. getting it? Are you getting a new location? Did go. you talk about it when I left? Yes. So the people who make um the wrenches with me um we're gonna split a commercial or an industrial space we talked a little bit about this last time but uh we're just gonna at least get a forklift someone just donated a five ton chain hoist um so we're gonna build a gantry crane and probably gonna start uh not only doing more wrench in other tools but uh just buy and selling large machinery and that's awesome okay because you can fix it up pretty quick eric when you have the uh, fancy machines to do it don't eric no yes sir no 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 i hate having what? to tell you what to do but why 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 are you bringing partners into the equation <laughs> it's not this wanna... it's not really a partnership it's more i don't have space so who's paying for this workspace and all that? They can pay for the majority of it. I'll rent a little space out of it uh, just for my wrenching needs. And it's fairly simple to just so, keep it that way. Uh, what you got to do is just set it up, set it up to where you can screw them, but they can't screw you. <laughs> yes, I understand the Texas way. <laughs> yeah, okay. <good. laughs> He's in Canada where everybody's nice to each other. Don't forget yeah, no, I, I understand. Everybody's nice to each other here as long as they all own their own stuff. <laughs> yes, I understand the business side of it. Like, they, they're always, um, I'm not doing anything without, you know, full and crazy contracts. They all need to be, you know, signed and blah, blah, blah. But it's more, I'm just excited to get things out of my workshop because I, I have no, like, I just built a new workshop and it's already 
full. full. Yeah, That's, totally. It's not only full, but it just, I can't do anything. My table saw has been covered in wrenches. I haven't done woodworking. I haven't made anything. It's driving me nuts. Uh, it's Join just, the club, dude. Uh, Join the club. Yeah. It doesn't uh, matter if you had 20,000 square feet. You're going to fill it up. Oh, yeah, that's true. I just don't want the... Uh, you don't want the mess in your workspace. I don't want the wrenching because the wrenches take up way so, too much of my space. And I, I'd rather use it for restoring. You know what you, know what you need, it seems like, and, and maybe you have it some way or another. I, every time I see an image of inside your shop, you have wrenches just piled everywhere. Yes. As opposed to when, when I do my ice picks, I have thousands of ice picks. I make yes. these, I have this standardized box for my own manufacturing process. It's 14 by nine by three inches deep. And now I use them for everything. So whenever I have like a, like a pile of lumber, that's like leftover parts for something else, three quarter inch thick, I make these bins. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. Those are enough to hold those wrenches. Uh, no, this will hold maybe 50 and it'll be 50 pounds because each wrench is a pound. So what I make these bins and when these bins are full with, with ice picks, they weigh about 50, 60 pounds because it's all solid brass. But yeah. I have these bins. I use them for everything. I have probably about fifty of them. I need to make another fifty because when I have like a bunch of uh, bits and screw gun tips, I pour them in there. So I have this sort of own shop system, and I can go and buy like the bread pans that are also good little like the little vintage bread pans. You ever see them? They yes. come in like four in a row. Those little compartments. Are, yeah. Those are great. Like cornbread pans. Yeah. yeah, those are great, and I always buy them when I see them at antique shops. But this is a one standardized size that's always. And I, they make them so they yes. nest. They could pile them on top of one another. Which, yeah, they had, uh, which is annoying that. when I'm looking for one particular bin <laughs> that I didn't mark. I got to move 50 bins that each weigh 50 pounds to find the one bin that has like the, the stamped ice picks because I do them in bins at a time. Do y'all uh, are y'all familiar with those metal stack bins? I, you see them in my shop everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I literally have hundreds of them. Those are awesome because you can see into the, you open know, edge. the front of them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're expensive. There's a guy, there's an antique shop near here that has like 10 of them and they want like 400 bucks. How many, what do you want? I've got hundreds and hundreds. I mean, what do you, how many do you want? I'm sending them up there. <laughs> Seriously, I just give them to you. I don't care. I mean, they're that good. If you, if, when you set up that pallet with the thing, give me like 10 or 15 of them. Oh, 20. Right, done. You mean even 20? <laughs> 20 now, 30 now. He'll call me later and be like, so could you send 100? <laughs> I'll, send, I'll send you an ice pick and a, and a donut from New York. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's Thanks. a place in Ohio I can get them for cheap. The guy's got like 100,000 of them. Well, they're old factory bins. Up here, when you randomly see ones that have been like accidentally found in a bar and everyone thinks they're worth a ton of money. Oh, but yeah, the yapsters. Yeah. yeah, in the Midwest, wherever the, these, there was giant factories, there's filled factories full of these things sitting there. It's like garbage to whoever owns that property. They just want them out. When I was younger, not far from my house, there was a Miss Baird's bread factory where they cooked the bread, you know? And uh, I don't know if y'all have Miss Baird's up there or not, but uh, we have it here. It's a popular thing. Anyways, they closed the factory because of the SMU campus bought that facility. And I went and bought some of those bread tins you're talking about, and I made an A-frame deal where all the bread tins stair-step down. Yeah. It's the most handy cart because you can fill it up with the most nuts and bolts and all that stuff, and, you know, you'll never find what you need, but you'll have it anyways. Yeah, you know it's there. I actually have, um, you know, those bread racks at the grocery store, like the blue plastic tray and the metal racks? Yes. Where they store, like, Wonder Bread? Yeah. Yeah, I have a stack of those, and it's actually been. Really I, I have good. a stack of those stuff. that are red, but I, I hate them because you can't see what's under the the, the 
very next one. You got to take the top one off. No, you got to slide it. You just slide them out like drawers. Oh, He's you're talking sl- about the ones that's got all the aluminum angle brackets. Oh, you yeah, have the side. whole rack and everything. Oh, yeah, that's handy dandy. Yeah. I just uh, had that, the that plastic work, trays. Oh. Yeah. You know what? I, I once, uh, there was a movie truck on the Lower East Side, and I looked in the back of the movie truck. It was like a utility truck that had all everything you need that could go wrong on a, on a set. And this guy had taken bed rails. You know, the angle, it's like usually like an inch and a half bed rails for like a, just the, you know, the modern beds that are like, these, you see them in the garbage all the time. And welded up this thing where it takes the milk cartons, you know, the, the typical milk carton box that we carry heavy steel stuff in. You got to steal yeah. them from the bakeries or, or the, the convenience stores. And he made it so each one of them slid into a perfect spot. And he was going through That's them, cool. pulling them out. And then I saved a whole bunch of bed rails from the Lower East Side garbage to make one of those. And then I started going through grinding discs. Like to make one cut, I'd go through a four-inch grinding <laughs> disc. Because <laughs> those good. bed rails are harder than the hardest steel you could imagine. Interesting. And I just put them all back out in the garbage. I'm going to go through 400 cutting discs. I didn't have a band like at that, the time. That was the, that was that anti-squeak, no-friction metal they used. It, it is hard as oh, you could imagine. So if you are going to use a bed rail thing, you need good cutting equipment because you're just going to go through cutting discs. So I it's never did a Yeah, that's it. I didn't have one at the time. This is going back 12, 13 years when I first got that basement space and I was trying to do like legitimate like storage capability. Right. And I didn't have I didn't have anything really. Anyway, we could spend a uh, that could be a good episode is. How much time have you wasted in your life coming up with that great idea that never was so great? Oh, <laughs> and I said That's at the a... time, I said, I'm just going to get angle iron one day. I'll buy 24-foot strips of angle iron, and I'll make it out of that. And I never did make it. And I have, yeah. I have plastic milk crates everywhere stacked on top of one another. And if I need the third one up from the bottom, i got to lift up the tent on top of it. Each one oh, with like motors and parts and levers and pulleys. Jimmy, would you consider yourself a hoarder? I would, absolutely. I am a hoarder. But I, I'm good at giving stuff away. The other night, my buddy came who wants to use part of my shop. and so part You gave of, him a broken some saw. I, we heard about it. <laughs> no, no, no. Part of his pay was that he, 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 he had to make his own space. And in that, he took, he took a shaper, a vacuum. He took a, okay. a, 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 I can't remember. But he took like four other things. Oh, a big, a big uh, Dayton sander, disc, 12-inch disc sander with a, with a four by, oh, six by 48-inch belt on it. I ne- these are things I never use. They sit around. So I was like, you can clean up. You can- if you touch those tools, you have to take them. He took an old sewing machine. So I got rid of like five machines to my buddy. So I just walk around with both arms open and just yeah, like – touching this. Touch touching everything. This. Like, I'll have this. No, these are all things I never use. So he- we needed the floor space. So he brought them to his barn down the road. So he's going to set them up and use them. And then I said, if I ever need them back, I'll just come steal them from you. But I won't need them back because I haven't used them in a year. Now, these yeah. aren't antiques. These aren't like beautiful things that you know we could – use for something or another they're just beat up old machines from the 70s and 80s i don't need so i'm like you i just take them that hot on the horizon oh hot on the horizon let's see <laughs> hmm. but you know what i want to go through before we do hot on the horizon talk about Cold that on the horizon talk about That's... that beautiful catalog you got that has every tool ever made in it oh is that oh, not a great God, catalog yeah. What what catalog is that? All I'm doing, you're flipping through that on Instagram, going through this beautiful catalog of machines that are like, say, all pre-1930, maybe even earlier. Every one of those machines and like, what company has those in stock or were they made to order? Like you said, no. you have vertical drill presses that bolt to the ceiling and it's like a guy oh, who's like- Was that crazy or what? And yeah. uh, like giant steam presses, rollers, like cutters. Pounds. 
<clears throat> that book is insane. Like what factory, where in the world had all those machines? And you got to remember, no, no engine powered horse uh, and carriage, you know, horse, everything's horse and carriage sliding on wood, three eighths inch rolling rods, you know, like that, that was a, uh, uh, a railway and machinist catalog from Chicago, Illinois. So all that machinery was made in Chicago, more or less. No, it's, there, it's he tons a distributor. of manufacturers. He was a yeah. distributor. Yeah. Like in the front of that catalog, it shows different factories, like the pond machine shop, and all these different you know manufacturers of the machines that were within the catalog. Yeah. But what's cool about that? You think those all those pictures were drawn by hand? Absolutely incredible. They're you all know? yeah, and and that whole catalog. People forget every catalog was made the way that my printing presses work. Clamshell. It's crazy. Every page was touched by somebody's hand as it was put in and out of the printing press, collated, flipped over to print yeah, the other nuts. side. Insane. That's why. Wouldn't you, that, Jimmy? Wouldn't you love to find the the original dies of the machines for oh, printing presses? You can find them. There were guys that they're highly collectible. You know, every oh, once in a God. while, I I found a, gorgeous. I found a box in an antique shop. I bought the whole box. And they were selling them for like five bucks a piece. And they were all like the big capital letter or like the company logo. Somebody had weeded yeah. this out and it was all logos for companies, all printing press. I always have this fantasy of like putting them all together in one chase and just printing them just for the graphic. Oh, yeah. so like they, there would be like a, a metal block or something you'd mm -hmm. put on the printing press and transfer the picture over. Yeah, it's just yeah, like, it's a, like a rubber stamp, but it's usually made. Engraved in, like, it. It's usually engraved that's, or uh, that's incredible. etched. etched. When you say engraved. Typically, that means done mechanically. And when you say etched, it's typically done chemically. So it's done one or the other. If they would engraved it for a printing press, would, did they have to do it backwards? Or like yep. the picture in reverse? Holy mackerel. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's incredible if you think about it. Like what, what the industry went through, what you know, all industry went through to make catalogs, printed material. You know. Yeah. And by the way, everybody was asking for me to, to print that and make it available digitally, which I would happily do. But... Several people sent a link to that particular catalog that's already been scanned. Oh, it's already it's, okay. Yeah, so you can. Uh, it's that one's over a thousand pages. Crazy, but it's beautiful to see you have the original one where the pages are all the edges are all cracked and and aged and falling apart. Yeah, so I was looking through that this morning, and and the unfortunate thing about that particular one is that you lose so much when you thumb through it because the pages are so brittle on the edge. Yeah, that's why you got to put it in that 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 catalog page holder that I sent you. Oh yeah, right. You got to buy those. Yeah. Can you if if I buy them, can you put it in there? Yeah, I'll come down. We'll do it. You get my fingertips. I'm gonna lick you my. Already I'm gonna your, lick. You already got your. You got your gloves on already. I'm gonna lick my bandaid oh, and grab each page so I don't tear the I corner. I can't up. believe that you would do that. That's like sticking your finger in your butthole and licking. <laughs> oh, oh, so gross. Look at my bandaid. Lick my okay, bandaid. I've always thought that it would be awesome if you could get to work every morning and dip your hands in like a paraffin type wax, but it, it, it still gave you the dexterity to move them around and whatnot. And at the yeah. end of the you dip them in another solution and the glove comes off. Fantasy land. Because like no gloves that I have found that actually do me any good. The best gloves are the ones that you get at the, the big box stores that are either color of the big box stores that are nylon dipped, the fronts are dipped because you still have a lot of dexterity and they're, they're cheap enough where, you know what, the biggest mystery to me is mechanics gloves, M-A-C-H-I-N-X. Those gloves are so overpriced, the fingertips wear off in one day, they're like 
leather or faux leather or something. Pleather. If they were two bucks a pair, if they were a dollar a pair, I'd wear them all the time. But they're like 15 bucks, and you wear right through them in the first day you use them. So I just buy the bundle of 10 from Lowe's or Home Depot that are nylon with the dipped, the fronts are dipped. They're great because I can use the printing press ink and get it all over them and still take my gloves off to answer my phone and then put them back on. If you use rubber gloves like the 7 or the 6 mil, those things are the pain in the ass to take on and off. Andrew, did we lose you? Yeah, that's weird. That's good. Oh, Andrew died. Is he done? That's pretty good. I'm into that. You want to end it here since Andrew's done? <laughs> he's gone forever. <laughs> you know what he's doing? He's panicking right now. He has no idea what to do. Oh, 100%. Either that or he's still he's... talking. Or he's dead. <laughs> or he's dead. But I could talk about Han on the Horizon for me while we wait for him. You think he'll join back in or we have to we have to get rid of him? I don't know. I don't know how anything works in the Skype world. <laughs> I don't know anything either. He's going to appear beside you as a hologram. <laughs> All right. Let's hang don't up and we'll, we'll, jo- we'll join again and start again. Back in action. Uh, yeah. Eric had some hot on the horizons. Would you like to start the hot on the horizon? Sure. What do you got? If you would like. Um, the coldness is hot on the horizon. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so cold. Um, anyways, I spent some time this week at um, one of the oldest machining businesses in the city. They're... Uh, having their 100-year anniversary this year. And they have a bunch of stuff, and I want to have it. So uh, it was really neat going in there and seeing all the old machinery. They have, you know, modern CNCs all the way down to, like, 1930s mills. Um, But outside, they had some nice stuff, and it looks like they have a K&T Model H... um, vertical mill mm. a milling machine and i really want it it's just in a plywood box outside for the last 40 years oh my god really yeah and it's fine the paint is still on it it's still covered in like greasy oil so it's not actually rusty which is fantastic yeah uh no i don't know what they did uh but if if i can get it for a decent price i think it'd be a fun project to try to get up and running they have tons of other stuff right beside it is a massive massive vertical lathe like with a four or five foot chuck on it whoa oh wow just sitting out totally exposed and it's sad but i would love to touch that then they also have the largest power hacksaw i have ever seen no way what is it like a 17 by 17 I have no idea. I'll send you the photos or put them on the Instagram. It's probably uh, like seven feet long and like four feet. Right. What is the stroke? Is the stroke four feet? Uh, I don't know. When they're that big, they rate them on on how much of a solid bar they'll cut. Like it'll say. Oh, it's deep. It's probably, it's more than a foot for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. That's Uh, really and it's just sitting there outside. I would love to have that one also. Well, are they selling this stuff or are they just letting it become dust? They, in the they're leaving it out 
um, for some reason, I guess, for waiting for me to come and make an <laughs> offer. I'm not really sure if the guy or the owner of the business is really like into that kind of stuff. But sure. just the like on that vertical lathe, just the moving cost would be like more than it's probably worth at this point. So what? Um, <laughs> no, I know. I don't have the space. I would take it if I could. Even put it, your, neighbor, put it in your neighbor's yard. But yes, anyways, this same company are the ones who gave me this 1940s Hobart welder, massive welder that you might have seen on my Instagram page. I, didn't, I don't think I saw it, but I shall look. It is gorgeous, and I am so excited to restore that at some point. But um, it actually has a really cool story to go along with it. So Hobart is owned by Miller now, I believe. And I contacted them with the serial number of that exact welder that they gave me. Right. And they actually found some documentation on where it was made, when it was made, and what it was used for. And that specific one was used um, in the 1940s at Hobart's uh, training facility in Troy, Ohio, to train women how to to train women how to weld during world war ii no kidding that's so awesome that's, that's really it's awesome like it's unreal to have that kind of story that you still yeah. have that documentation out there to use to at least did provide you, to some psycho like me who wants it. <laughs> did you get to, did you get that printed material um yes they emailed me some documents but they're just like destroyed the scan yeah. is like of 12 different pieces of paper <laughs> stuck together. Where is it on your Instagram? I don't see it. Uh, it's fairly. Oh, it's, it was, I see it's from a long time ago, huh? Yeah, it's like a year or more ago. That oh, is, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. It's sweet. It's like an old it's robot. It's really cool. Yeah, and, and it was really fun getting that off the trailer. I just didn't pay attention, and it just rolled like full speed, tumbled forward. Oh, no, like a safe up the just, steps. Yeah, except I just let it go, and it just did what it's going to do. I like your really descriptive description here. Thanks to so-and-so for giving me this welder, this old welder. This will be a big project for sure. Yes. No year, no date, so my, no nothing. My concern is any internal, like if there's a capacitor or something inside, and I touch it and die. That's my only concern. Yeah, don't touch it. Because no. it's, uh, yeah, it's like a three-phase, I don't know, 300-amp welder or something. I have no idea. Uh, Anyways, that's and they also had at that same place um, when I sent that photo of all that Babbitt. Oh, yeah. So they still pour tons of Babbitt at that place. And I just want all of that Babbitt that they have. It's not fair. Oh, they look like but they look like uh, the bullion. What are they called? The bars? The uh, yeah. Is it bullion? Ignot. Bullion bars? Bullion. That's 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 for soup. Ig bullion. What is it? A bullion? Ignot. Ingots. 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 Ignots. Ignots. You can go down yeah, to Pizza Bar and get you an Ignots or go down to the Garlic Ignots. So Eric sent over a picture and it was like a, a giant stack of Ingots. All <laughs> silver, not gold, but that would be for Babbitt. You pour it into like a Babbitt yes. fitting. And all organized by like tin and lead-based Babbitt. Like they got it all. Ignots. Organized it. And I was I was impressed. It's really cool. I wish I could steal some of that, but that's illegal. No. 
should give it, I have a machinist that gives me all of his uh, Babbitt, you know, shavings from when he, you know, trims. Oh, stuff and you like you just melt it back down. Totally, yeah, yeah. It, there's yeah, always why a not? Lot, there's always a lot more dross in it that has to be removed. But I mean, yes, it's about like ten million dollars. It is so expensive. Like one, do one power hammer, it costs you a fortune to, to pour the Babbitt. Yeah, it's too much. Andrew, what do you have hot on the horizon? Anything good besides this forty-ton steam motor that you have to move? Yeah, so uh, I should be doing so. The, it, it's kind of unfortunate. The guy that I bought that from is uh, not really healthy. And after I was there the other day, he he was outside for too long, and his doctor is making him stay inside for the next seven days. So um, and he's got skin cancer on his face and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Anyway, so... Uh, Where's that sunscreen, res- folks? Where yeah, I'll respectfully uh, hold off for the next seven days going to get it, but uh, I've got everybody in place and all the stuff in place, you know, to to go get yeah. it once uh, we get the green light. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to be doing that. And, um, uh, did you... I've got a... Uh, did go did you, by the way, get that hit-miss engine from him, too? Which one? No, you said the you red. sent a picture of a big red hit mess engine. It looks like it's about four feet high. No, I didn't buy that from him. No, I did buy some hit miss engines recently last week, but uh, I didn't buy any from him. His are like, like the cheapest one he had. There was like thirty grand. No oh, man. So I didn't That's buy. That's insane. What did he do? Like, I don't understand how you afford that as a collector. Uh, he's a real estate developer. Uh, no, fair enough. Well, there you go. Uh, did I, guys? Did I tell you guys uh, years ago? I was just talking about this with a friend last night. I, when I turned thirty in nineteen ninety-seven, to to celebrate my thirtieth birthday, I went and bought a Cadillac. I bought a a nineteen seventy-six Eldorado out of Hemmings nice. out of Hemmings Motor News. It was twenty thousand dollars. Cool. It had eight thousand original. Uh, no, it had eight hundred original miles on it. Oh wow! It, it was. Cool. Firethorn red with a white leather interior and a white convertible top. It was a beautiful car. And so I bought it from a real estate developer who had four consecutive bicentennials, four consecutive serial numbers. This guy loved the 76 Eldorado and he had, he said he owned 15 or 20 of them and he was solely selling his collection off. But if you look up the bicentennial 1976 Eldorado, it was made for the, the bicentennial. It was white with red and blue piping on the seats. Uh, They're very sought after. He had three consecutive serial numbers of them. So was that like what Boss Hog drove? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so I had I had a red and white one, and and uh, I went broke in two thousand and four, and I had to cash out my my four hundred one k, and I sold that Cadillac. I I had put about five thousand miles on it, so I sold it with under under seven thousand miles to a friend of mine. I sold it for twenty thousand dollars six seven years later. So I cashed out the car. I cashed out my and I built my life back up, but. The um, the point I'm making is the real estate developer, those are the guys that have a lot of money. And so he had all these 70 – he said when he heard – he was an older gentleman. He said when he realized Cadillac was not going to make that car anymore, he went and bought like 20 of them. Interesting. In 1976. So I bought it from the guy that bought it from the dealer and put 800 miles on it. That's amazing. It was yeah. such a beautiful if car. If you had it today, what would it be worth? They're not worth a lot. I mean 25 grand. Cadillacs don't bring a lot of money. They're not like Packards yeah. or uh, you know Auburns, which bring millions. You know they're just 
Cadillacs are so plentiful and they're, they're kind of crummy cars in general, but it, it was a beautiful car and it, it is. My, I actually sold it to a friend of mine and every once in a while when we talk, he's like, you want to buy your Cadillac back? I said, nope, <laughs> I'm into old trucks now. I'm not into Cadillacs anymore. So, yeah. But Oh, how the times have changed. What's hot on your horizon there, big fella? I think, you tell me, Andrew, I'm, I've been looking at gantry cranes and you got mad at me when I told you I was going to buy one from Harbor Freight and I did actually go and look at it. And the woman said, we didn't have one in stock. It would be two weeks. And so I started looking online and I see, I found a company. Thank God. Spanco. Span, sure. Do you know Spanco? Made in, Pencil- made in Pennsylvania. Is somebody eating Tic Tacs? What's happening over there? Uh, Eric no. has some tomfoolery thing going on underneath the counter the whole time. <laughs> no. You're not shaking. Are, no. you, are, you, are you playing pocket hockey over there or what? He's, he's, no, he's going through his hockey card collection. Something. No, his cat yeah. is playing with the Kit Kat wrapper <laughs> under the table. <laughs> there's something going on. There's a, there's, a, there's a sound somewhere. It sounds like a, someone's opening up a, a Jolly Rancher, <laughs> like the whole time. Really? <laughs> That's exactly what it totally. sounds like. Yeah, what is going on? I thought that was you because you're shaking. I'm like, something. He's got Jolly Rancher bag. And he's not putting him in his mouth. Maybe feed him to the no, cat. That's my, that's my Parkinson. <laughs> Oh. Anyway, so oh, yeah, I was, make us feel bad. So Spanco, I'm looking at a Spanco crane. It's a you know a mobile gantry crane that will go up to 15 feet high, maybe 12, 13 feet high underneath the the span, and go about 15 feet wide. So I'm looking at that. That's probably about five thousand dollars. If I if okay. I can't make a deal with Can them, just make one. Just Jimmy, go to the steel yard, buy some yeah. 856 I beam, okay? 856 I beam, and make one. It yeah. will take you no time at all. It will be way stronger than that stuff you're buying in the store. You already have the chain hoist. I mean, it's just no brainer. I mean, like, what are you doing? Like, you're looking for sponsorships and all this crap. You spend all this time, just go weld one up. It'll take you 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. I don't want oh, heavy metal. <laughs> All you gotta have is it's so simple, it's just a few I beams welded together. Here we go. Next. Yeah, but he's gotta gotta find wheels and he's gotta buy a gantry crane just to make those. I think the I think the problem is he's worried that his gloves won't fit over all his (laughs) band-aids. Oh well you were gone. We were talking about the solution. Just get some of that uh, so uh, some of that liquid that makes the band-aids Able to touch on the touch screen. Oh, that, that, I had another gripe when you were gone. I said the mechanics gloves you can't you can't use you can't answer your iPhone with the mechanics gloves. Oh, I thought they taped a little thing on the front that makes your fingers look real cute, so that you could. I haven't it. used them in a while, so maybe they do now. But you can with those those regular dip gloves that you get from Home Depot and Lowe's. You can answer your phone with them. You cannot answer your phone with the twenty five dollar mechanics gloves or the fifteen dollar pair of mechanics gloves. What has the world come so, to? Another another anti-mechanics ad. I guess they won't be a sponsor. <laughs> Y2K. All right. Yeah. Have we talked long enough? I got things to do. Sure. The last Joe Rogan podcast was uh, two and a half hours long. Two and a half hours. Oh, yeah, we're there. We're just about there. Was that the one with Richard Rawlings? Oh, that was good. Do you know Richard Rawlings? That was a good one. I don't know Richard Rowling. He seems though. like somebody you'd I mean, know. I know. We live in the same town, but yeah, you, he's a little too fast for me. I you got to get to know that guy. He seems like a lot of fun. I don't. That's uh, not how I roll. He seems like the kind of guy that will get punched in the face, but uh, he seems he oh. seems like a fun dude. Joe Rogan opens up with, "You'll see." In the first two hours, we didn't really click, uh, but they did though. I think they were pretty good. But the drunker they got, the more fun they had. But yeah, but I I think Rich uh, Richard Rawlings is probably a great guy, but he's he probably moves a little fast for me. 
A funny thing about Rich Rawlings, if you ever, ever look online, it is the most cringeworthy piece of video you'll ever watch is Richard Rawlings standing next to Jesse James on stage in Vegas. And they, they yeah. had like a little, uh, you know, like a tough talk thing before they were together on stage. It was some like competition. Who's going to build the best motorcycle? It was between right. the American Chopper guys, Richard Rawlings crew, and Jesse James. And Jesse James said, you want a tough talk? You want a tough talk about my family? You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me. And if you want to keep tough talking, I'll take you out. And he wasn't kidding. He wasn't doing TV tough talk. He was doing real like motorcycle gang tough talk. And Richard Rawlings basically just said, I'm sorry. On stage. That's good. That's good. <laughs> it was. I want to see You got to find that. I'll find that on YouTube. Me and Taylor were watching it. This from like three years ago. We were both like cringing. Like, oh my God. I didn't really know who. I mean, I knew who Gas Monkey Garage was and he had a big mouth. But he had a way sure. bigger mouth more before he earned it to talk, the way, to talk the way he talked about Jesse James. And Jesse got really upset because he kind of said something like, oh, your mama. So he pulled some kind of family joke into it. Which was all done in jest, but Jesse James did not take it as a joke. And that that hmm. next day, live on stage, he basically he put him in his place. Oh boy, huh? and he just went, "I'm sorry." <laughs> Jesse James is Jesse James is one of the nicest guys I've ever been around. I mean, he, he's as solid as a rock, man. Oh no, I know. And he, he seems like he seems like it. But just that day, I was like, "Whoa, man, you go get him." It was great. It was great because uh, yeah, Grass Monkey Garage guys are all a little. Little talking a little bit out of school, you know, kind of before they earned it. They were talking. This is four years ago before the show really had a lot of legs. Sure, I literally never even heard of this guy. <laughs> You're not missing anything. I don't. As soon as Junkyard Wars was canceled, I stopped watching <laughs> any Discovery or DLC or anything. That was the greatest show of all time. It was Junkyard Wars. Oh my god, it was great. The people had to improv out of piles of garbage, make stuff. Yeah, that's a great. It's a great concept. This is it. What's better than that? I would do this all day. There's nothing better than that. No, I think it's like basically. I think that. I think (laughs) a show like Junkyard Wars, the reason why it's not on anymore is because of the production aspect of it, where you have two teams and they have to come up with something. And sometimes I'm sure they had like, all right, production's going to be over tomorrow, and if you guys don't have something that at least is camera worthy, we don't have an episode. And, you know, you're leaving it in the hand. Yeah, so garbage gets made. Yeah, and, and then they're like, yeah. we don't have a good episode. So that, I think, is probably... Plus, it's not, it's not 90 Day Fiancé on TLC, so... <laughs> when Jesse James... That's why it's not on When anymore. Jesse James had Monster Garage, he would enlist, like, 10 guys that he knew could deliver. Without, right, you know, so right, they always had right. a good camera-worthy solution. When you do Junkyard Wars, you'd be like, oh, the, the crew from so-and-so college in Saskatoon. And then they're like... Four guys like and tripping like, over. Never been outside. <laughs> we made, we bent a piece of angle there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Made a boomerang out of steel. <laughs> yeah. I miss it though. I miss it. I do. But anyways. We At least go. I know now what to get you for Christmas. Uh, could be like the. Box set oh, of Junkyard yeah. Wars DVDs. Totally. 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 All right. I'm, I'll be yeah. more like on a beta or something. Now I have to go and oh. make my own crane. You, you called me out. I want it on laser disc. Jimmy, I've got one here. You can have. You just come get it. He just, he just like, he just bitch slapped me into making my own crane. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, like a, f- a frame. You, you could. Do I it. know, but it's so beautiful in aluminum from Spanco. It's like all made in aluminum. Aluminum, no. Aluminum, <laughs> no. Oh my god, Jimmy, aluminum. I'm gonna buy one from Northern. It's the same thing as Prince's head gasket or whatever you call it. Harbor Freight. Northern Princess Yeah. 
I don't, I don't know. I don't want to go in those places. You know, I don't like to smell those places. Oh my god, it's the worst. All right. <laughs> Next, you guys complete me. There's no way that anybody else could complete me in the way that you do. The two uh, of oh, you. That's wonderful. Well, thank that's you. That's wonderful. Well, thank you. All right. So, do we say anything nasty that I could edit out? Can I just post this as is? Just post. <laughs> I have no <laughs> we. You got to edit out the errors. Yeah. I'll leave them in. I'm too lazy. I got so much shit to do. Told you. I knew he would. I knew. <laughs> no. I'll go through it. I got to connect that, that. No, you won't. Just do it. If it's not posted in the next seven minutes, you're probably dead. <laughs> Yo, do you do you click the uh, reduce background noise button? Where? Who, me? In iMovie? I have a lot of background noise in my house. I just, I have no, there's no quiet place in my house. No, but I mean, do you press it uh, in the iMovie edit? Uh, no, I do. I do. You should. I do. I know that our, our videos have a lot of background noise. I'm sorry. I exist. Yeah. It's because the gain is up high. Yeah. I, I do my best this week. I'm using a different microphone. You guys both always sound perfect. Believe I, I am always sound the worst so far. If this is episode four, I'm on a totally different microphone. Now I'm going to try and see if it makes a difference. Just build that insulated box around your body. Like right now, my feet are rumbling because my boiler is going under my feet and it's probably translating to all the background noise. <laughs> oh my gosh. Cause it's 30 degrees here. He's got like a science lab there. Andrew, when you, when you sleep over there, the airplane's landing. <laughs> it's only 18 wheelers. Jake breaking in front. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, you got Oh, the red bandana makes one last appearance. <laughs> uh, before we go. All right. Okay, folks, I'm cutting it out. Y'all have a wonderful day. All right, we all good? Yeah. Right, episode sure. four is over. Yeah, Did we learn about any how to move heavy stuff? Did we learn anything? Yes, totally. The skid plates is, is something brand new. <laughs> yes, goodbye. Those skid plates are cool. You got to tell everybody what the brands of those are and send a picture to the Instagram page. Please do. Will do. Merry Christmas. Awesome. Yeah. Yes, to you also. Bye. All right, guys. That's it. I'm going to hang up now. All right. See you later. Uh, remind me how you hang up. I'm just going to hit the red button. You you just <laughs> close your there? laptop till next week, and then you open it up. You have to move your mouse to close it. All right. Later, guys. Oh, bye-bye. I love you like candy. <laughs>